You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. And more people on top of that, but we can't make him do a new intro every week. week. (laughs) Well, hello and welcome to episode number 207 of the Plane Talking UK (laughs) podcast. Yeah, you do it so well. I am Carl Stebbings, and joining me in the barn studio, because we are still in the barn studio just, the yes. although yep. work will be commencing tomorrow Ooh. on the new studio. On the new studio, very exciting. So welcome, Matt. How Hello. are you? Hello. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Oh, good, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. You, you, so have you, have you been still relegated to the spare room? Yeah. Because you've still got your man flu. Well, no, I'm in, yeah. I'm in the main master <laughs> right. room, okay. and uh, and Gemma's in the, in the spare room. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I have a question that I need to ask. <laughs> What's that? No, 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 no it's, it's nothing to do with you two, it's fine, but... Oh, okay. When you two are sleeping in different rooms because of the requirements, obviously, yeah. of bad colds and all that kind of thing, who does Poppy Cat choose to go and stay with? Well, Poppy does obviously choose to uh, be with the uh, the leader. That's me, right. her daddy. Yeah, she wow. sides with her daddy. She wow. loves to spend her time with me. That's award-winning. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. You realise I'm going to record that and send that yeah, as a WhatsApp fine. to Gemma? That's obviously. fine. That's fine. That's fine. No, she's, she's very loyal. Is Poppy right? Yeah. And the wife, yes. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, it, it's all. It's based on the fact that Gemma gives her cat food, and I give her tuna. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so joining us <laughs> as well this week, yes, as always, is our amazing Mister King of Tech himself. It's Neville Bounds. Hello. Yes. Here we are again. It's Friday, and uh, what a week it's been. Very hectic. Uh, for me at work, uh, very full on. I'm actually very glad it's the end of the week now. A bit, a bit tired, but uh, uh, looking forward to a great show, of course. So fingers crossed he'll make it through to the end of the looking show. Looking forward to a lay-in tomorrow. <laughs> I think yeah, that's, on. Yeah. 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 Do you actually have an opportunity for a lay-in, Nev? Is this the, or, or uh, you... Not tomorrow, no. We're no. off to uh, Birmingham tomorrow oh. uh, to the jewellery quarter. Uh, to choose some rings. Oh, and and am I allowed to ask why, or are we not allowed to? <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> the, the person we call Mrs. Nev yes. is going to be the real Mrs. Nev, right, uh, <laughs> on the twelfth of June this oh, year. Oh, there's a date. So, well, congratulations! You know, congratulations! Yeah. We thought we'd go and buy buy some Tom. And, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, oh brilliant! That's very exciting. Oh, thank you very much indeed. I shall. I shall go and get me me, me frock dry clean, especially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Indeed. So we have got uh, two very special guest hosts joining us on the show tonight. Uh, he's back by popular demand. He is the king of all things Airbus and the master of Acme Red. It's Captain Nick. Hi, boys. Hi, Nav. Great to be back on your show. Thank it's you. a real treat for me because I can get to do a show and have to be polite for a while. Oh, yes, <laughs> just for a little while. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's, anything's, anything goes apart from swearing. It's all fine. So you're in a slightly exotic location this week. I wouldn't exactly call New Jersey <laughs> exotic, but I'm sure there are some exotic clubs around here. Right, okay. Uh, do you want to go and find one so no, I can broadcast right, from Right, yeah, why not? Yeah, that, that's, that, that, I've, I've got to yeah. say, Nick, the, the decor in that room is very um, yellow. 1950s. <laughs> 1950s, yeah. Very yellow. Very yeah, yellow. I think uh, uh, your next guest knows this uh, hotel well, and it, it is a little tired, to say the least. Right. However, it, it is in a very historic place, because uh, just out of my window there, I can look at the water uh, where um, Sully uh, ditched oh, his uh, Airbus. Wow. And uh, right outside, um, uh, literally a stone's throw from the entrance of the hotel is the... Uh, ferry 
um, that'll take you across to Manhattan. And ah, one yes. of the ferries that uh, come here are the ones that uh, went and rescued the passengers uh, off the Miracle in the Hudson ditching. So it's actually a fascinating place to be. Wow. Huh? Uh, no, that is very cool, and and I mean, well, I, I didn't quite get over over to where you are, but we, I did do the old Staten Island ferry when when I was um, when I was uh, over that way um, back in November. So yeah, it's uh, I, I love oh, yeah. I love that, that's a must, uh, man. That's, that's a yeah. great uh, little journey. I, I genuinely am so excited that that hopefully we're going. I'm going back again in November. I literally cannot wait. So uh, with a bit no, of luck, probably. who knows? You might be there as well, and we can catch you. You can take me to your favourite shop, which I, I I still have wet dreams about. If I'm brutally no. honest. <laughs> Uh, it is the greatest shop that, that, that God has ever created. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, absolutely a great spot. So we have one other special guest joining us on the show. It's his first time on the show, and uh, we're going to welcome. He is uh, well. He's a he's a very big fan of everything Boeing. Oh right. Because if it's Boeing, he's definitely going. Oh. And it's first officer Mike. Hello. How are we all? We're very well on this, uh, well, I say it's fine day. I've been in Birmingham, so it hasn't been fine to start right. with, but it's ended not so badly. Okay, so, uh, so which, exotic part of, which exotic part of the world are you calling in from, sir? Uh, I mean, I'd say you could have a look at the camera, but sadly the internet is being exceptionally of Indeed, yes, Indeed. He, says, he says as he keeps breaking up, yes, okay. Oh, I was going to say he's Skyping out, but we yeah, can't yeah. say no, that, we can't because say we're not that using anymore. Skype this week. We're not we? using no, Skype, no. no, no, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, Mike. I think I'm back. I think oh, I'm yeah, back. you are, yes, it's all right, that's good, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to tell the uh, the kids to stay off the, uh, yeah. off the uh, YouTube today. Lock, lock away the tablet. I seem to have moved further away from the router, and like I said earlier on, the whole of West London seems to be downloading Netflix and chill tonight, so uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm tra- trying to make do with what I've got. Oh, no, that's all. We'll soldier on, don't worry. I think yeah, what it is, Matt, is that uh, so many people around Mike in Lo- in London right. are currently watching, watching the, the show. Watching the show, right, I see. Okay, that's, that's that, problem, that'll be yeah. what it is, of yeah. course. Absolutely. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we, uh, we've got loads of people joining us in the chat room, as always, tonight. Loads of people in there, well, busy chatting amongst themselves. Uh, they've been in there waiting patiently for the show to start. We've got Richard uh, King, Liz Piper, uh, we've got Shorty Crosgrove, Don, Sebastian, the pre buy oh, wow. guy, is in there. Liz Piper, Andrew Wilson is also in the chat room, Lane Street. Uh, we've got uh, Neville Bounds, he's also in the chat room. Falco, <laughs> Falco's in the chat room. Uh, we've got Masha, hello, Masha, Aww, greetings to you. Masha. Uh, Jonathan Warner's in the chat room, hoping that we've got some grey stuff on right. the show this yes. week. Okay, have um, we got some grey stuff on the show this week? We have, have yes, we, right. we okay. have. Uh, yeah, Rick Bell, yeah, hello, greetings to you, Rick, as well. And I'm just scrolling on Jenny Parkinson's in the uh, chat room. We've got a little bit of feedback. We have indeed. Yeah, she was. She was uh, just to, to set you up for that. There, there's. Uh, she was chatting to her friend Diana, who's recently just uh, come back from a trip on Nor- Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Nor is it Norwegian? Norwegian. Norwegian. Because I keep saying Norwegian, and I and I get, get I keep getting told off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've got Graham Haley as well in the chat room. So thanks uh, everyone Graham. for joining us this evening. So we have got just a little bit of uh, housekeeping to do at have the we? top of the show, as okay. uh, we do at this. time time of the month so we'll uh, hand things over to uh, Nev. Yeah and of course we can't do this show without you so thank you very much for your fantastic contributions to the Patreon fund and uh, those people are Adrian Meacham, Nick Anderson, Captain Jeff, Stephanie Plummer, Stuart Black, Liz Piper, Jonathan Warner, Evan Shue, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Muller, Philip Labe, 
Andrew Wilson, Graham Haley, Matt Caton, David Humphreys, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Steve Andress, Matthew Bunting Frame, Myla, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, and Ray Williams. Thank you to everybody for your great contributions. It makes a big difference to the things that we can do on the show. Certainly does. Makes Certainly a huge does. Difference. Yeah, and uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, just take yourselves over to the website. That's uh, all the W's dot plaintalkinguk.com. You can just click on the link on there. Or you can make a one off donation via PayPal. We yep. don't care. And yep. But we, we really, really do appreciate yeah. all of that. Uh, don't forget, if you are a, an Amazon user as well, you can actually take yourself to our website. On that front page there is a special link. You click on that, it'll take you to the Amazon page. Anything that you buy through that, we get a small referral fee essentially. So, I used it last uh, night. So you can actually, without having to physically spend money other than what you were buying already you can also help the show out because yeah. Amazon is great for uh, fantastic new leads and wires and all that kind of thing which we're going to need lots of obviously as, as yeah. the build yeah. to the studio begins commences tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. so yes very excited yeah. so hopefully in a few weeks time we will be in our in our new studio be nice wouldn't it man yeah, yeah. 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 We, uh, we had a good we had a bit of a delivery from the uh, TriStar van yeah, today the tri-star of uh, wood yes. and various <laughs> bits and pieces so uh, yeah work will commence tomorrow morning indeed yeah. and make sure you got the kettle on, Matt. I will, thing. absolutely. What yeah. time have I got to get out of bed? Oh, about half nine. Oh, dear. It's <laughs> yeah. against all of my religions. I, I might be up earlier than Nev at this rate. <laughs> so uh, we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes. If you're ready, Nev. Yes, totally. Nick. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, hang on a minute. And... No, yes, yes, yeah, I'm ready. ready. <laughs> He's ready. And Mike, are you still there? Still here. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go. Okay. So, kicking off this week's first news story, then, and this one is on the standard.co.uk standard is that the evening standard the evening standard.co.uk and uh, we love go for all my aviation news I know (laughs) it's the go to place Uh, and uh, for most of you will know uh, about uh, the is it the the women the kind of uh, the females of the aviation kind of piloting persuasion uh, it's been obviously um, a big week this week obviously for is it national the national all pilot all female crews and stuff like that and a lot of the airlines have been doing this oh, BA God, have done man, it. it was the international women's day that's it <laughs> but BA have done uh, BA have done some of this and uh, there's, actually there's quite a few airlines around the globe have actually done all female crews and female ground staff as well but to celebrate international women's day Thomas Cook airlines here in the UK have uh, piloted an all-female flight from Manchester to Gran Canaria. The captain, first officer and seven crew, along with engineers and ground staff, were all females, as were the Nats air traffic controllers who cleared the Airbus A321 aircraft with 202 customers on board for takeoff. The flight was captained by Jane Paros, who was uh, who's been flying since 1990, with first officer Berglind Raffensjordia 
uh, teased I beg your pardon. I know. And first officer Victoria McCarthy. The crew compa- uh, comprised of Victoria Starkey, Faye Emanuel, Lindsay Dixon, uh, Stephanie Ashell, Susan Johnson, Victoria Britland, and Kerry Adrio. Uh, move Thomas Cook hope will hope will inspire more women to get into the aviation industry, as the UK Civil Aviation Authority says that 570 of the British industry's 9,846 pilots and co-pilots are women, just under 6%. So in conjunction with the flight, Thomas Cook have announced that they are partnering with Aviation and Airline Pilot Academy, FTE Jerez, in launching a scholarship program to attract more women to piloting. The scholarship was launched in memory of French pilot Elise Raymond de la Roche, uh, the first woman ever to receive a pilot's license 108 years ago um, this week on the 8th of March 1910 she got that so open for all female applicants successful candidates will be trained at FTE Jerez as part of the Thomas Cook Airlines mentored cadet pilot training program female pilots entering the program will be eligible to apply for a 30,000 euro or 26,775 pound scholarship which will be offset against their training costs at FTE Jerez. And inspiring female pilots will also be able to apply for the scholarship every year for the next five years. And this is really good news, I think. Um, with uh, yes the scholarship and no. I, see, and I, have a, I have a small issue with this. Is, uh, what, what, what women both? pilots? No. I hope no, not. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> Completely opposite than that. What makes me feel very sad is that this, this, is, that this is still a thing. It shouldn't matter about your gender or anything yeah, like no. that. It should just be that if you are good enough, or if you're, there shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be like you know, gender relevant. I mean, it still makes me, it makes me feel really sad that this is still a thing. Just, just we have it in our business as well. We yeah. actually have a group set up now called Women in AV. Yeah, ah. and uh, it's a shame that we even need to have one. I, I agree. Why, why isn't there the equality that there should be? No, so well, I have to agree, but I, I'm also a little bit um, dubious from another aspect. The fact that they say that there's going to be a scholarship worth 26775 that is a fraction of the cost of the total training. So uh, these uh, female pilots that they're encouraging will still have to fork out somewhere in the region of 700 uh, and 50,000, how much? No, 75,000. They've still pounds. got to find a huge amount of money in order yeah. to be able to... So they're only going about uh, a quarter of the way, and that's assuming mm. that uh, this company, uh, you know, are a reasonably priced company because right. they've kind of got a choice of one, haven't they? And if, if they're yeah. charging top dollar, then that's going to make uh, their training mm. still very, very expensive. And that donation, if you like, that they're getting as part of the scholarship doesn't go anywhere near as far, perhaps, if it is a more expensive outfit i suppose yeah so yeah, so, yeah. It's a funny i one. mean it's great headline news but i don't know if it really cures mm. the problem of getting more pilots into aviation yeah i really don't think it's really quite enough do you have many uh, female pilots in acme red uh, nick do you fly with uh, many female pilots yes we have a reasonable percentage i don't say we're the best airline by a long chalk but we do have a reasonable percentage i think we mounted three all-female flights uh on International Women's Day. Um, so we managed to crew and in three entire aircraft and they all got their publicity. Uh, the, the one I uh, 
I read about went off to Dubai, which was Ooh. an interesting destination wow. for an all-female crew, which I thought was very good. Some might argue brave. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> no, no. It's just I, I can think of uh, you know perhaps uh, slightly more friendlier locations uh, for an all-female crew, perhaps that they could have gone <laughs> yeah. to. He says. Uh, yes, I, I'm wondering if they chose that destination on purpose. Well, uh, well, and if they did, in some respects, I doff my cap to them because, uh, yeah. as you say, it sort of highlights highlights the issue rather beautifully. Uh, so before we move on to the next story, a couple of uh, little bits of things I've noticed in the chat room. Uh, one, Neil Lanwarn is saying that I'm home, I've got beer, permission to commence show has been granted. Uh, so good news, oh, good. Uh, we're, allowed to, we're allowed to start. And um, we were talking about the, the building of the studio a little bit earlier uh, mm. before we started. Uh, there's been some grave concern at the fact that Nev isn't actually here tomorrow to help us with the build. I, don't, I want to set everybody's <laughs> minds at rest, okay? Uh, we're just building the box when it comes to actually building the studio nev will be thoroughly con- you know like thoroughly yeah. involved nobody panic we we want a good studio too so don't panic <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna be fine isn't it yeah so, absolutely yeah. yeah so don't it's panic let, let you lads do all the the, the, the horrible stuff yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't mind yeah, absolutely don't and mind. then we'll we'll wheel in nev for all the tech stuff don't panic <laughs> we're not gonna do it ourselves don't panic <laughs> so moving on to the next story and uh, matt uh this is a kind of Brexit kind of story for you. Oh, really? <laughs> ish, ish, ish. Oh, you had me very nervous at the word Brexit. I, I was just like, here we go. Anyway, so obviously story two uh, can mean only one thing. It's on the independent.co.uk. Uh, and it is, of course, a Ryanair story. And the headline is, Ryanair will keep flying through Brexit until 2021, says airline executive. Well, isn't that fabulous news? Uh, so Europe's biggest budget airline has softened its warnings on Brexit. Ryanair now says you won't see planes grounded after the 29th of March 2019, the date the UK leaves the EU. But it still fears open skies may not continue beyond 2020. The Irish airline has its main base of operations in the UK, taking advantage of the policy that allows any EU carrier to fly anywhere within Europe or the European Union. Last August, the Chief Executive Michael O'Leary said that we haven't got a plan B, we haven't even got a plan A and and a half yet. Uh, But Ryanair's Chief Marketing Officer Kenny Jacobs has told the independent we think good progress has been made in the past two months the british government has sent out their blueprint for transition and that's some positive signs for the industry the, uh, this, this means that until the end of December 2020, the status quo remains the same. What happens after the transition agreement from the 1st of January 2021 is less certain. The signals are more negative than we would like. A number of airlines are concerned about how ownership rules could affect them after Brexit. An EU airline must be over 50% EU owned. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Anyway, once the UK UK leaves uh, with its present shareholder structure, Ryanair would fall short of this proportion. Uh, Its leading rival, EasyJet, has already announced it is setting up an Austrian... Uh, subsidiary to allow it to continue to fly intra-EU routes after Brexit. Mr Jacobs said we want to continue to offer British consumers the cheapest flights but he added that uh, we've very movable assets. We're in 34 countries. Ryanair has announced that it will continue its Stansted to Edinburgh link through the winter but is not restoring the Glasgow service from the Essex report. And that, that was a story we covered last week, wasn't it? Uh, that they're going to do that. I, I don't know. I just get very annoyed every time the word Brexit is mentioned that it's just like you know i swear carlos does it to annoy me on purpose 
That's yeah, there's a, an airline not far from me that uh, might suffer similar problems because mm. uh, uh, that particular airline is owned 49% by yeah. an American company and uh, another significant portion owned by a, a country uh, in Europe. So right. uh, I don't know quite that, how that's going to work once we, uh, once we achieve Brexit. Well, it's not actually gone through yet, though, has it? They're still waiting on the... Um... European Commission out there for the two. Um, oh, exactly right. Through. But uh, if if it uh, it could be a bit of an embarrassment if if the decision is made, uh, you know. A certain yeah. Well, I think I think to a certain extent they will um, have Brexit in mind when that decision is made, don't you? Oh yeah. Is it? I mean, is is? I mean, excuse my naivety on this subject, but is it? Is this not all a bit too early to be having you know press statements released about the concern over Brexit and things like that? Because nobody really knows what's going to happen when we get to to that. I mean, surely, um, you know. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that high on the agenda will be making sure that there is some kind of open skies agreement in place. I mean, surely, you know, everybody should just keep their 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 powder dry, really, until we know more. I don't. I, I don't know. What? Leave the papers with nothing to write about Matt, <laughs> right uh, i'm sorry yes I'm, I'm not thinking this through am i yes <laughs> but more importantly we'll still have a ryanair well yes i i, I think i don't think that was ever in doubt that's no. what annoys me about these stories it's just like <laughs> you know he's just using it as an option they're all using it as you say for for publicity purposes and as a way of sort mm. of grabbing headlines it's just uh yes so the next story just, then. just a thought oh. on just Oh, sorry. Carry on, oh, Mike. No, carry no, on. Carry on, on Mike. Just a thought on the whole. Just a thought on the whole um, ownership that me and Nick were debating a moment ago. If said company is owned thirty-one percent by a European airline, would that not? Obviously, it's it's a, it's, an, it's a near majority stake of an airline within Europe. Not too dissimilar to what EasyJet is doing by moving their operations to Austria. Is that right? Would it be something along them lines or similar? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it depends really on uh, on what the ownership regulations that the UK decides on when it's its own master. So uh, I think that's that's the question mark that everyone has in their head. But but surely they could. I mean, again, forgive my my naivety on this this subject. But surely they don't necessarily have to have a base here in the UK as long as they've got an office and they own a certain percentage. Surely. Well, we're talking about the percentage that owns the airline, not where they're based. Right. Uh, that that isn't. That isn't. That's a different matter. Okay. What we're worried about is that uh, uh, once we come out of uh, the EU, if an airline is part owned by countries that are in the EU, and now the uh, the country that the airline is based in, the UK, owns a minority portion, will that still be legal in UK law? So right. all of a sudden, that they may be saying, "Why? Well, you've got to you've got to buy back." A portion of your airline so that you're now a majority holder because you're a UK airline no longer a European airline right. as such. I wonder what so, would happen um, I mean obviously all of Ryanair's aircraft are EI registered yeah, uh, in Ireland. What, what would happen if they uh, had some G registered aircraft so actually have UK registered aircraft. I wonder how well, they'd have to obey the law for a change, wouldn't they? Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, ooh, I was just <laughs> waiting for you to say that. I don't, didn't have to wait very long. Um, Controversial. <laughs> but, yeah, I just wonder whether that might have an effect on. Obviously, because you know, frankly speaking, the, the UK market is absolutely vital to, to Ryanair, isn't it? So um, I wonder what's going to happen. I think it's vital so, to many companies, not just Ryanair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens. Somebody retired, so I won't 
Yeah. Yeah. I forgot you're counting down the the milliseconds. You you and your Trump card. (laughs) So uh, so moving on to uh, to the next story then, uh, Nev, uh, it's all for you. Yeah, another excellent aviation publication, the Daily Telegraph. Oh, excellent. Um, And this is all about uh, my favourite, British Airways. And they're going to be rolling out some Wi-Fi on flights. But budget airlines are insisting that passengers just want a break. And the BA flights across Europe could have Wi-Fi on board from June, with passengers able to check emails, tweet and upload selfies from the cabin. The airline's parent company, IAG, which also owns Aer Lingus and Iberia, is introducing new high-speed Wi-Fi on board selected aircraft this June before rolling it out across 90% of its short-haul fleet by 2019. Whilst on board, Wi-Fi is common on long-haul flights and is already offered by carriers including British Airways and Virgin Atlantic. It is rare in Europe because the dense airspace makes connections, satellites, Apache. IAG is the launch customer of the European Aviation Network, a new system that allows airplane antenna to connect to a system of 300 ground towers across Europe, as well as satellites. The system, developed by Inmarsat and Deutsche Telekom, requires far, far lighter onboard equipment than before. Previously, an Inmarsat spokesman told the Daily Telegraph that the weight of equipment has not been fuel efficient for short-haul aircraft, which are often smaller. We'll see airlines able to offer reliable high-speed and future-proof in-flight broadband across uh, Europe's high-traffic flight paths, the uh, spokesperson added. Until now, European airlines have been forced to rely on heavy satellite-based in-flight internet. EAN requires very few small and light antennas, making it also ideally suited for fitting on smaller aircraft that are typically used on European routes. Spokesperson, which said the company was in discussions with all major airlines about the technology, said it costs hundreds of thousands of pounds to install. Passengers of Britain's budget airline might, however, be left disappointed. Ryanair and EasyJet told the Daily Daily Telegraph that they had no current plans to offer it. Some passengers are delighted to be out of contact during their flight whilst they get some respite from emails and social Social media, a Ryanair spokesperson added. Well, I'm in agreement with that, certainly on, on the short haul sectors. Um, but I think that um, I'm in Marset, and, and you know that that's a very you know well respected uh, high technology communications company. I just wonder how this is going to work on the short haul sectors, though, because I think the, the density of it is just going to be horrific, and um, I think the, the, the bandwidth will leave a, a lot to be desired. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I'm a bit surprised that they haven't uh, tried to create a system that works the same. As- as, uh, say, Delta does in uh, America here, where on a short-haul flight, you get automatic uh, internet and you can connect uh, to the Delta um, entertainment uh, website and watch uh, their in-flight movies on your iPad or your phone whilst mm-hmm. you're doing a short-haul flight. And most short-haul flights are enough for a few TV programs or a uh, perhaps a movie. And I think that's a, that's a great concept because uh, they don't have to put any in-seat TVs. You bring your own screen in, uh, but you get really good quality uh, uh, downloading, uh, yeah. streaming for a, to watch a movie on your flight. I'd be interested to find out what the weight penalty is for these in-flight entertainment systems. Uh, if you take all, all the gear and and everything that goes with it, the, the screens, the, uh, the central processing devices, it must be... Uh, a lot huge yeah i think it's you're probably right you, you still need to keep the in-seat power so you're still going to have a, a you know a, a bit of weight there but i mm. think you would save a lot whether it 
is enough to pay for the uh, service because it, Delta offer it for free over here. Mm. Yeah, true. That is mm. true. I don't know why you want to tweet yourself that you're on British Airways. There's nothing more embarrassing in life, is there? <laughs> no, no. I, I, I right. do it all the time, actually. I to agree. Part, yeah. part of my trip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Here I am with Granny on Granny's Airline Incorporated. Right. Yeah. Have a look at my 75-year-old cabin crew member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like United, isn't it? We burn off any Brian Cole. Oh, no. Um, right. Oh. And moving swiftly oh. on, then. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, so Captain Nick, uh, we've got a nice little Airbus story for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> What's this? This is in the uh, Daily Female. Uh, uh, indeed. Being International Ladies Day. <laughs> of course. No, no, the Daily, fa daily Fail, isn't it? The, the uh, Daily, daily Fail, fail <laughs> or, the, or the Daily Rand. I tell you, uh, I, I, this is guaranteed to raise your captain's blood pressure. Excellent, good. <laughs> um, so this is a thrust C event. Uh, are you sure I'm allowed to read this? It's a family show. Uh, yeah, no, of course. Yeah, well, well, we'll take the risk. It's fine. Okay, so the thrusting is... Um, we will be uh, treat that with a certain amount of care. Um, the awesome power, the awesome power of an Airbus A320's twin engines uh, <laughs> is best demonstrated with a conveniently parked camper van. I think this has been done, you know. Yeah, it has, um, yeah. it has an amazing clip uh, which shows the awesome power of the Airbus A30's. Oh, a nice bit of proofreading. We've gone from an A3... Uh, 20 to an A30. Mm. That's a road that goes out of London. <laughs> right. Or, or oh, an old dear. Austin car. Yeah, an old Austin. So the A30's twin engines. Uh, in the footage, the pilot can be seen starting the engines, causing a van to shake. The red camper van positioned near the engines is flung away by their power. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, you know, one of this is like one of those movies, you know, uh, Superman or whatever. Anyway. This is the moment the awesome power of an Airbus's twin engines completely blows over a parked camper van. The power from the Airbus A320's passenger jet engine is incredible. It makes the red camper van flip over several times in mid-air. The video was posted in Twitter by an aviation account and has been viewed more than 21,000 times. Well, not exactly viral. It is unknown where it was filmed. It's a picture of a van being blown over. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Mythbusters. Yeah. They did this. They yeah. did this ages ago. And uh, I think they did it much better. But there you go. Someone's. Oh, and they did it on. Um, oh, what's that? Motoring program with uh, Jeremy Clarkson. Oh, uh, the that Grand one. Tour, yes, with loads, loads of little sessions. Sure they've done it on that it? as well. Yeah. No, I must, so, I must admit, yeah. I, was, I was watching that and just thinking, I hope Carlos hasn't got access to. Um, to uh, Grand Tour because he's going to be absolutely horrified as he's watching these things on flight. Actually, actually, I'm looking at the back of this. Isn't it? It's got an L1011 sticker on it. This fan that's being blown <laughs> over. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it probably has, to be fair, yeah. Oh, <laughs> See, what, it would have been more funny oh. had it been a cyclist or a caravan. Well, true, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, very true. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's keen. Uh, yes, everybody could cope I, without it being. I think this this video would have been much better had they have had a, a, had a proper uh, Airbus like the one that you fly, Nick, with four powerful engines. Ooh, right. Well, yeah, it it would have been. Although you can only park a van in front of one at a time. Yeah. Uh, Good or, point. Yeah. You know, you could stick it in front of a uh, a Boeing's engines. I'm sure the uh, the Benliner. Oh, wait a minute, they don't have any working engines, do they? <laughs> oh, uh, that go. would have been a shame. That would have been a bit of a non-event. 
Okay, anything you'd like to Mike add to Mike, feel that free to Mike. come back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm saving myself. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Right, okay. So, uh, anyway, uh, you're up yeah. next, sir. Mike? Uh, hang on a minute. Which one are we doing first? So, uh, it is You've the, got the Dreamliner one. Oh, yeah. Dreamliner. Oh, yeah. oh. oh, dear. I think he's, oh, he's I gone. Boeing have just cut him off. He's just fallen off. <laughs> He's just fallen offline. That's outrageous. Mike, <laughs> he's gone. No, no, he... Can I do this one, please? Can I? Yeah, can I... Yeah. Oh, go on, Andy. Yeah, go, go on, Andy. Yeah, he so has officially is, uh, fallen off. Binliner brings non-stop flights to Hawaii a step closer. Hawaiian Airways is considering non-stop flights from Hawaii to Perth. Is that in Scotland? <laughs> After it committed to buying several ultra-long-range Boeing seven eight seven nine. Why did this go seven eight nine? Right. Seven eight nine ten eleven. Uh, anyway, they're getting seven eight seven nines uh, yesterday. Speaking from Honolulu, the airline's president and chief executive Peter Ingram said destinations such as Perth in Scotland were certainly an option. Whilst delivery is three years away, are there enough people in Perth to? Fly to well, I, didn't think they were. I didn't think there'd be enough people to actually fill one, frankly. So just... Yeah, exactly right. The airline's president and chief of blah, 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 blah. Uh, while delivery is three years away, well, perhaps they're hoping, hoping a lot of people will move to Perth. Um, <laughs> we've not yet examined in detail the different markets for the Boeing 787. Uh, it gives us many interesting possibilities, such as London and Perth. Okay. Uh, the airline ordered 10 787s. So they ordered 10, and they don't know what they're going to use it for yet. That's a bit of a worry, really, isn't it? Don't they actually have a slightly more detailed plan? Well, um, okay. I, 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 I suppose, actually, considering the number of engines they're going to have to order as well, they're probably going to have to wait several years before they can get them online. Okay, well, I, know, I noticed that Mike has rejoined us. I didn't know if you had any comments on, on this I particular... I got as far as the bit where uh, I was slating the 787. <laughs> Mike, a... did, you, did you want to uh, add anything? Hello? That'll Mike? be a no then. Okay, nope. all right. Okay, he's, he's, <laughs> okay. Well, he's struggling a bit. His, he's sim- struggling. his symbol has appeared, but it, it's we, we we've obviously lost him still, which is slightly a bit of a shame. So we'll really, move on then. Yeah. So yes, uh, you'll go next. Yeah. Then, so so yeah. we've gone on to the tra- traveller dot com dot au. So uh, oh, an Australian website then. Australian. Yes. Yeah. So the headline then, and uh, this is all very important to anyone who travels with Virgin Atlantic and can't afford business. Uh, or upper class, and so Virgin Atlantic are to increase legroom in economy class. Woo. So Virgin have said that they will offer a new type of economy seat with extra legroom as it tries to stand out from the crowd at a time when low-cost airlines are intensifying competition on transatlantic routes. The uh, British-based airline, partly owned by U.S. carrier Delta, said on Wednesday it will refit the cabins of its Boeing 787 Dreamliners to offer a new type of economy seat with legroom of 34 inches, bigger than the current economy offering of 31 inches. Well, that's actually pretty generous for Uh, economy. Virgin also said it would offer a new economy light ticket, which excludes checked luggage. It gave no information about ticket prices in the new categories. Uh, The airline is increasingly competing against low-cost carriers such as Norwegian Air Shuttle, Canada's WestJet and Iceland's WOW Air, which are all stepping up expansion en routes between North America and 
Europe. IAG, the owner of Virgin's old rival BA, is also in on the low-cost action, launching a low-cost long-haul unit called Level uh, last year, which uh, while Lufthansa has been expanding its Eurowings brand as well. And US carriers have introduced new fares that don't include baggage or seat selection. Virgin said a process to refit its cabins to offer the extra legroom was underway and formed part of a £300 million pound or $533 million investment which included adding Wi-Fi to its fleet and new drop bag or bag drop facilities at airports. The new 34-inch legroom seat on Virgin available from this spring will give passengers an option in between economy and Virgin's more expensive premium economy seat. Rival airlines, British Airways and Norwegian also offer economy seats with 31 inches of legroom. Uh, both British Airways and Virgin offer legroom of 38 inches in their premium economy while Norwegian's premium cabin has legroom between Launching 43. Launching a low cost long haul unit called Level. <laughs> level. They might have called it straight and level. That would have made me a bit more confident. <laughs> uh, whilst uh, Lufthansa uh, has been expanding its Eurowings brand, and US carriers have introduced new fares that don't include a baggage or seat selection. Virgin said a process to refit its cabins to offer the extra legroom was underway and formed part of a three hundred million pound that's five hundred and thirty three million US dollars investment, which includes adding Wi Fi to its fleet and new bag drop facilities at airports. The new thirty four inch legroom seat on Virgin available from this spring will give passengers an option in between economy and Virgin's more expensive premium economy. Rival airlines such as British Airways and Norwegian <laughs> also offer economy seats with 31 inches of legroom. Uh, both British Airways and Virgin offer legroom of 38 inches in their premium economy, whilst Norwegian's premium cabin has legroom between 43 and 46. Actually, that's pretty good going, isn't it? It's Last easy. year, Virgin Atlantic said Air France KLM would buy 31% of the airline from Richard Branson's Virgin Group, making it the second largest oh, oh dear. Virgin <laughs> Atlantic shareholder. Farm station. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> After US airline Delta, which owns 49% stake and are reducing Virgin Group stake 20%. The deal has not yet completed, it says here. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Apologies about that, uh, guys. Sorry, I, I pressed the wrong button here, which meant when we lost our link to your call. So thank you for carrying on there, Nick, while, while I just put that right. So uh, well done, sir. It's an, a no consummate problem. professional. It's a nice-looking nice airline, this lot. Yeah. I, I talk to work for them. Yeah, I, who, is it, who is it again, Nick? Uh, Virgin. <laughs> oh. oh, I've never heard of them. Uh, anyway, I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was quite impressed with their legroom. You know, on, on, actually, I was more impressed with the legroom on the 7.4 than I was on the 3.30 that I flew mm. last uh, last November to Dubai. Oh, well, don't start, Mike, on the 3.30. You're going to get an extra three inches, and who wouldn't want an extra three inches? Well, quite, yes, indeed. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to just go on about how I hated every minute of the flight on the three thirty across there. It was noisy and uncomfortable. What? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, brave. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you'd like to add to that at all, Nick? Uh, yeah, I, I was just saying. Uh, I, I fly the three thirty, and where I sit, it's perfectly fine. Well, that's yeah, true. It's very quiet where you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, I think in past shows, Nick has owned up to not liking the A three thirty himself. 
Oh, it's it's not my favourite aeroplane. Ah, dreadful. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> yeah, do you know? You just sit here ever so slightly nervous that something's about to kick off. It's I just know. like yeah. that'll be later. Yeah, on the show. I think Mike and I are very close in our appreciation of uh, certain Airbus products. Uh, and not others. Uh, the 330 uh, is, quite honestly, it's just a two-engined uh, 340-300 series. So there's not a great deal of difference, quite honestly. The, the 300 is just the same fuselage of a 340-300, isn't it? And just with yeah. two new motors stuck on it, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. But uh, it, quite, and we, we've discussed this uh, many times. It's what the company choose to put in the cabin that makes a difference to yeah. the passenger. What's on the outside, to a lot of people, is really irrelevant. Uh, unless you're a, uh, if it ain't Boeing, I ain't going brigade. <laughs> um, so, and, and most of them wouldn't know the difference uh, if they climbed into an Airbus. They, they wouldn't, we wouldn't know how to tell the difference. So, I find it all a bit of a joke. Really. I was just, just no, about to say, I wonder if, if you if you asked everyone at the gate if they knew what they were going, and I reckon a good seventy percent wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They, they would yeah. know how much they pay for the ticket. Yeah. But they can tell you that. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the first thing I look at when buying tickets. I no, have to say. no, indeed. I have <laughs> to confess, my tickets are based. My, t- my ticket choices are usually oh, based on, on which one is cheapest. I'm sorry to really? say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, 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 that's exactly my point, Matt. Exactly. Yeah, something now, every day. Yeah, but no, Carl, Carlos books his ticket on a different premise. He he wants to get the the experience of flying in different types. Yes, very right. very okay, true. Nick. There. They've all got two wings. They're all a metal <laughs> tube. They've got some, some engines <laughs> varying in number. Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, the rest of it is actually, Nick, I might just to... add, I've not, I've not yet uh, had the uh, the grand opportunity of flying on an A340. So I need to um, need to sort that one out. An A340. Hurry, hurry, mate! You've only got a couple of years to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna oh have to get on that one. That'll be on his bucket list. No, I do. I literally, I literally book it based on what which one every which one is cheapest. You know, it's just like because it's. Well, I mean, okay, I suppose I've reached a point now where actually, if it says 767, I'm not interested. <laughs> if it says 757, I no longer want to go on that plane. So you, I actually, suppose, you laugh. I suppose I'm reaching a point now you where laugh. I am becoming a bit of a plane snob. I, I actually <laughs> did read a story earlier on this week in the news. I haven't put it in the show notes for this week, but um, Boeing were actually considering restarting the 767 production line. Over my dead body. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. What for? <laughs> wow, that, exactly. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. Mm. Really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a story. I mean, I have to actually, actually, all jokes aside, because the float. Okay, so this this was going into Newark, obviously. So this is obviously where Nick is at the moment, and and this was a seven. As I say, this was a seven six. Uh, Seven, mm, um, it was, yeah. Uh, and the one that went out because it had a refit, but it was absolutely lovely. Mm. It was really not yeah. from a, from a, like a boring old passenger's point of view. I had reasonable legroom. Uh, the in-flight entertainment system was absolutely amazing. I could watch all sorts of films going out there and, and all that kind of thing. It's only really when I then came home on a what was clearly a much, much, much older one. It was just <laughs> horrific. Um, and but it, it is like Nick like, says, though. It, yeah. it does depend on what the airline itself puts inside yeah. the aircraft as to how good things are for well the, i mean these were the both owned by um you know united mm. but mm. it was it, they couldn't have been i mean they were essentially the same craft but they couldn't have been more different inside the issue yeah. with that though is it's when that aircraft is coming to its retirement yeah uh, british airways a few years ago had two different first classes on their um 747s and they didn't fit a certain amount out because the ones that were coming are nearing retirement there was no kind of feasible point so it is airline dependent upon its requirements, isn't it? Yeah, mm. very much so. Yeah, 
So moving on then to the next story, Matt, and uh, this is another one of those stories regarding smart luggage. Smart luggage. Yeah. Okay, sorry, my machine is misbehaving. Uh, yes, so this is on the uh, uh, the Global and Mail website, whatever one of those is. So you've been scaring the website, mm. the internet, for weird stories again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the new wave of smart luggage leaves airlines scrambling, apparently. So while many travellers might think that the worst thing about a 7am flight from Toronto's Pearson International Airport is braving the lineup of caffeine junkies, at Tim Hortons, an incident on a full Air Canada flight recently raised the bar. One morning last weekend, while the Vancouver-bound plane was sitting on the tarmac, one passenger's cell phone caught fire and had to be extinguished by the crew. Uh, the passenger received treatment for burns on her hands, and, bo- and those uh, sitting nearby were evacuated for the cleanup. The delay lasted two hours. Some passengers reported seeing smoke from dozens of rows away, and one passenger told Toronto News Channel's CP24 that the fire was a small campfire-sized flame. Uh, that is not, of course, the first time a cell phone has caused a commotion on an airplane. Uh, earlier this year, cell phone chargers caused fires on planes in both Russia and China, and the Samsung. Sun Galaxy Note 7 became an international transit pariah after a, a pattern of spontaneous fires and explosions resulted in multiple recalls and, after being deemed a hazard, were banned from all Canadian and US flights, among many others. Uh, while the potential problems associated with lithium-ion batteries have long been known, uh, concern has since expanded to the new wave of so-called smart luggage designs that integrate electronic technology to offer a range of new features, and airlines are now scrambling to modify the regulations in response. While lithium-ion batteries are notoriously unstable in certain circumstances, such as when the batteries are poorly made or installed improperly, leading to punctures and exposure to air, they are also extremely efficient and long-lasting. Lithium-ion batteries are commonly used in all kinds of helpful travel-related accessories, from cell phones and computers to headphones and fitness trackers, and increasingly, luggage. This new wave of smart luggage is part of the broader internet of things and Bluetooth-enabled movement. The desire to add modern communication devices to everything from refrigerators to umbrellas. (laughs) Uh, Major luggage manufacturers have rolled out a range of features meant to digitally enhance and uh, and add convenience to the travel experience. Uh, For example... um, Haze sells smart luggage with multiple features including a smart handle with integrated scale which provides the weight of the bag when picked up by the handle. That's very useful. A smart TSA lock which uses Bluetooth to remotely lock or unlock the bag and a proximity alarm that alerts a user when his or her bag is coming down the luggage carousel. I mean, you could just use your eyes, I suppose. Yeah, just, you know. uh, anyway, uh, so luggage, uh, luxury luggage manufacturer Remoa has introduced a new piece of luggage with a built-in e-paper luggage tag that can be checked in online, currently only being offered with Lufthansa, EVA, Swiss and Austrian, uh, through a cell phone-enabled Bluetooth connection. And other bags now have built-in chargers, some powered by lithium-ion batteries and GPS location trackers to address the perennial concern about luggage being 
lost. Airlines have been forced to modify their policies to accommodate the growing popularity of these bags. The guidelines set out by WestJet and Air Canada, informed by the Canadian Air Transport Security Authority, uh, dictate that they will accept smart luggage as a carry-on, providing that the system within the bag is completely powered down. If the system cannot be turned off, any batteries must be removed. In order to check a piece of smart luggage, the lithium-ion battery pack must be removed and brought into the cabin. In the event that a piece of luggage cannot be powered down and the batteries cannot be removed, the airline will not accept the bag. The generally accepted wisdom is that potentially volatile batteries are safer in the cabin, where any fires could be manually extinguished rather than in the baggage hold. Which is a good point, really. I won't read the rest of that story because it does go on a bit, but... um I mean, it's a great idea, this smart luggage. And, of course, everybody is, you know, you don't, you hear horror stories left, right and centre about bags going missing and not turning up at their destination. So GPS taggers would enable you to, to sort of track it down because it's basically got a glorified mobile phone built into it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is a good point because you're I mean, not really supposed to put your mobile, you're not allowed to put your mobile phone in the luggage hold, are you? I think I, I'm correct in saying that. You have to have it... Um, in yeah. the hold, is that with correct? lithium batteries are supposed to be in your hand luggage, mm. and you're not allowed to put spare um, lithium batteries in your hold luggage. You're quite right. So having a lithium battery in something that's designed to go in the hold, it, it becomes a bit of a bit pointless. Bit really, of an issue, it? yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm amazed really that somebody hasn't thought these, of this. These modo bags, motorized suitcases, and the pictures on the story here, Matt. This is yeah. like a, this is like a mini scooter. You can actually sit on and drive around the uh, around right. the airport. Okay, that sounds like fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the battery must be huge in this case. It must well, weigh, yeah. weigh a ton. Mm. Honestly, yeah. you lose I all. Don't know. It's, it's amazing that we can't take batteries, batteries sorry, on board, but we can take them as cargo. Especially with us, we take a lot to Hong Kong and Shanghai on a weekly basis with lithium-ion batteries going that way. So what's the difference? Well, they, if they're carried as uh, uh, cargo, they'll be properly packed. Uh, so, True. Uh, Have you seen some of the cargo that goes on our air aircraft? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident that our cargo boys know know what they're doing. But well, it's not been done by the Royal Mail, has it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. The fact is that uh, if you a lithium battery just sitting there doing nothing is generally speaking pretty safe. It's only if you give it a good whack and uh, cause a short circuit inside it because uh, some of the cells have, uh, have been damaged, yeah. that uh, it does tend to then uh, start to discharge, temperature increases, and then goes uh, uh, into a thermal runaway. Uh, so that, that is the major problem. Now, um, if, of course, if you, if you pack the batteries well and they've got um, uh, safety um, circuits within them mm. that prevent stop them uh, from running away so easily and control them properly when they're being charged that's something they're they're fine but not every manufacturer particularly those in the far east are going to do that and mm. at least if you know they've been well packed as dg yeah. they're going to be safe on board in the well, reasonably safe on board in the cargo home a good point. I don't know. We we ran some stories. Uh, we ran a story not that long ago, and I got, I know we mentioned it at the top of the show. The the Grand Tour, um, and um, uh, Richard Hammond was actually test driving on on a racetrack, and he when he had his crash in the first episode of series two, mm. and of course that was an electric car, yeah. and it wasn't the issue. wasn't I mean, it was literally a molten mass in no time at all, and that was purely because one you know a couple of cells got damaged in the crash, and then off went the thermal runaway. Now obviously you wouldn't have you know massive amounts of batteries like you'd find in one of 
of these cars, but you know the problem is still the same. I mean, the, these get so, these phones get so hot when they're charging. You know, you think if you damage one of those cells, I mean, you know, the heat that can be generated if if something goes wrong, and you don't want that in the hold, do you? If if it's mm. if it's been damaged, that's the point. And the other thing is that uh, your luggage is notoriously easily damaged by luggage loaders yeah. now not every bloke <laughs> that throws suitcases around is going to toss it 20 feet uh, off the uh, hold onto the concrete but it does happen mm. and if that happens to be a bag that's got lithium batteries built in there's a good chance that those batteries uh, will be damaged and that's when your problems start yeah yeah that is true that is true any thoughts nev nev well lithium ion batteries um that they they've revolutionised our lives in terms they of have. Uh, mm. tablets, mobile phones, all this sort of stuff, um, and the thermal runaway events are quite rare. Uh, but when they do happen, you know, it, it is quite a big moment. It's um, it's catastrophic and, almost, isn't it? Uh, yeah, mm. it, it's just uncontrollable uh, heat build up, isn't it? Mm. Um, obviously, we'll get to a stage where there will be different batteries. I'm I'm sure. Uh, yeah. But I did quite like my. Nokia 3310. <laughs> <laughs> when I can get 10 days uh, battery life oh, out wow. of it, yeah. obviously I can't oh. do internet or FaceTube or anything no, like that. No. Uh, but, um, <laughs> so it just shows you how, you know, where the technology has gone in terms of battery. But yeah, of course, the stuff we're doing with our phones now, it's just incredible, isn't it? So, well, they are. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the amount of people, I know, I know, for example, the BBC, when they go out and, and do, do a lot of their things, uh, if, they're, if they're in towns and cities, they actually do everything through their, and I know you'll hate this word, iPhone. <clears throat> Um, because you can, you you know, again, plugging into the lightning port, you can you can literally turn it to. And in fact, actually, the, um, a few weeks back when I was at Heathrow, having dropped Owen off, uh, and we did the show, uh, that was actually done using the data connection on my mobile phone, and I had all the Skype calls and everything, you know. So I had a mm. piece of clever tech attached to it, so that I had network ports and all that kind of thing. So you know, as you say, the things that we can do with our mobile phones is frightening. Um, but uh, I think yeah. the trouble as well, a small, very small part of this kind of story before yeah. we move on is that nowadays with smartphones and stuff as they are and being as you know really advanced as they are yeah. battery life isn't that great on a smartphone so a lot of people do tend to carry around power cells or yes. power bricks or whatever yeah. you want to call them yeah. and that is the norm now i think most people do generally yeah. tend to carry a I, power I, brick with them i must confess and you're going to hate me for this but i've got this new iphone 7 thingy and i have to confess two I days don't, i don't this. need one yeah I, I, get, I get two days out of it yeah. so but that will you know deteriorate over time and and I will need one. So it's... Uh, oh, sorry. I, I woke up Siri while I was oh, doing that. I, I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the next story, Nev. And uh, it's, a, it's another, another BA one for you. Yes, it's on the Air Transport World website. And uh, it says that British Airways has refreshed the cabins of its 10-strong Boeing 777 fleet at London Gatwick Airport with World Traveller Plus and World Traveller seats. The World Traveller Plus cabin in the fleet's three-class 777s will double seat capacity from 24 to 52, whilst the Club World cabin will be reduced from 40 to 32 seats. The World Traveller Plus cabin in the fleet's four-class 777s will see an additional 12 seats added. The six three-class 777 aircraft will be completed by winter 2018 with the first four-class variations finishing by summer 2019. The first routes will be Punta Cana, Cancun and Kingston, Jamaica before it is gradually rolled out across 
all BAs, 22 long-haul routes from Gatwick. BA's London Heathrow-based 777s will be fitted with the new World Traveller Plus seat uh, from autumn 2019. According to BA, the World Traveller cabins have been fitted with the newest, most enhanced seating, which features a six-way headrest with adjustable ears for added comfort and movable middle armrests. The new in-flight Panasonic IFE system has been updated with larger HD screens and gesture gesture control to navigate the interface like using a tablet. The screen size will double from 6 to 12 inches in World Traveller Plus and increase from 6 to 10 inches in World Traveller. New USB sockets are available at every single seat, allowing all customers to charge a range of different electronic devices during their flight. And World Traveller Plus seats also have an additional power outlet socket for UK, US and EU plugs, according to BA. And um, these uh, seat back screens that they've got. I don't know if you've got a picture of it. Yeah, there. I did know. Yeah, popped yeah. it up while you were talking. Uh, they look incredible. Um, but of course, again, this uh, LED and LCD technology has moved on so much. So yes. it's, it's a lot lighter yeah. weight than uh, they used to be. And obviously Panasonic and, and the people that make the, um, the screens, they, they're used to designing stuff for aircraft. So we were talking about the weight penalties earlier on. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of work done on this to make sure that uh, the weight penalty isn't uh, too great. And of course, actually, going back to what we were talking, you were talking about power outlets there. I mean, one of the things that surprised me, because everything is USB chargeable virtually these days, even tablets, you know, and, and like and a cut, the tablet that Carlos is using here is basically a Windows 10 PC, but it's charged by. I'm surprised that they're bothering almost to put power sockets in new new craft these days. I mean, let, unless you're in business, it's very unlikely that they're that. The you passenger is going right, to, you yeah. know, break out the laptop mm. to do something on it. I mean, you'd have thought really again it because it's much much e easier to to feed just like USB ports to all the seats. Surely, yeah. It's all low the other thing is with these uh, not just the three pin but the, the two pin power sockets as well, whether yeah. it's US or um, the EU ones. They always get broken because yeah. uh, people try to shove the, the wrong thing in yeah. there, so that the seat power often uh, doesn't work properly. So standard USB A connector uh, would do it. Will cover virtually everything because mm. everybody's got the charging lead in their pocket haven't they i mean yeah. that's the yeah. as in fact actually when we were at uh, when we were in um uh, uh, London, myself and Nev on Wednesday, and, and just in Nev's pocket, he just pulled out a USB lead and then started charging his phone because he just oh, had one. What you were going to say? That stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I do note, I do note that they've gone ten abreast on this mm. cover, that which seems to be an elephant that. in the room that we have avoided. Yes, okay. I thought I'd just uh, skip over that. Um, yeah. Yes, <laughs> 10, I mean, 10 that... abreast in a uh, 777 um, is not a lot of fun on those long-haul sectors in economy. Cozy. I think the word snug springs to mind. Cozy and snug, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but the LEDs are a lovely colour. The LEDs Thank are you. a fabulous, <laughs> glorious colour, yes, absolutely. Yes. In the bin liner, yeah. they are great. Uh, oh, uh, 777. I, I, must, I must say, one of, the f one of the things from my trip to, to New York, actually, that I found so unbelievably frustrating is I don't... I don't know. I don't know in what cloud cuckoo land, whoever it was that invented the American power outlet. Uh, I don't know whether they were on crack cocaine or something at the time, um, but I've never seen anything so dangerous in my entire life. Oh, it's like I, can't, I couldn't stop it from falling out of the wall. Well, it's only 110 volts, mate. It'll, it'll give you a tickle, but it won't whack you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I know, but it was just like, wow. Anyway, that's not at all aviation-related, no. I apologise. But definitely uh, saw your hair out in the morning, that's for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that is true. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll, un we'll unplug that story and move on to the next one.
Oh dear! And, uh, <laughs> that was a tenuous. That was yeah, pretty naff. Yeah, it, indeed. So we'll we'll move on. Uh, Nick, I believe Nick. this is yours. Hopefully, uh, obviously, just to warn you, Mike, you are up next. So fingers crossed, you might actually get to read a story. Uh, <laughs> wow! I thought you hope we're not paying him for this. No, um, no. I'll then pay if you on fees. Indigo plan. Oh, this is from Bloomberg. Oh, we love Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Indigo plans uh, order for up to fifty. Airbus A330 wide bodies. So uh, Indigo, India's biggest airline, plans to order as many as 50 Airbus SE uh, A330 wide body jets. It seeks to expand beyond short haul flights. People with knowledge of the matter said, "Who the hell are they?" <laughs> People with the knowledge uh, carrier of the aims to uh, take the upgraded A330 Neo version of the plane. That's assuming that everyone get the engines working, according to the people who were asked not to be named uh, and may not exist. I'm sorry, didn't actually say that. <laughs> uh, as the discussions aren't public. Uh, the deal would be worth. Thirteen billion dollars at list prices. Well, no one ever pays list prices for an aircraft. Uh, for the smaller of two variants, though, some of the aircraft are likely to be options to be confirmed later. Uh, Indigo is developing plans for. What well, if they change the color? I mean, you're a bit stuck <laughs> there. You've got Indigo. I mean, if they decide to paint themselves pink. Yeah, I mean, uh, court line uh, colours, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just thinking out loud. Uh, is developing plans for long-haul flights after building up a fleet of more than 150. Oh, we love these people. Airbus <laughs> A320 narrow-body planes to use within the region. The carrier, based near New Delhi, looked at the Boeing company's 787 and dismissed it. And the Airbus's <laughs> larger A350 before settling... <laughs> On the A330neo, very sensible people, a re-engined model developed from an older design, the people said. Uh, well, if you want a lesson on that, just look at Boeing uh, 737s. Uh, quick delivery times and ease of retraining A320 pilots for the jet, well, that's like a two-day course, uh, were a factor <laughs> in the decision, one person said. A sale to Indigo would come as a shot in the arm for the A330 upgrade which Airbus developed to fill a gap in the bottom, sorry, in the bottom end of the wide body market after building the A350. The plan has won 214 orders through February, compared with almost 1,500 for the original model and around 850 for the A350. That's that's good orders for the A350, yeah. All commitments are for the bigger 900 version after Hawaiian Airlines cancelled a deal for six smaller Dash 800s last month. Mm. Shares of the Indian carrier fell as much as 1.8% on Friday in Mumbai. What about the rest of the world? Uh, an order <laughs> announcement from Indigo could come as early as June one of the people, one of these <laughs> hidden people said, representatives from the carrier didn't respond to requests for comments. Uh, a spectrum from Airbus said that the Toulouse 
uh, France-based plane maker, is in regular contact with all of its customers whilst declining to comment further. It seems to be based on an awful lot of nothing, but you never know. <laughs> there might be some fact in there somewhere. You never know. Do you know, actually... Where? where? Do you, can you remind no, me? No, which no, no, no frankly. Like? Sorry, I, gl I glazed over. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if you read, actually, further down on that uh, page, there is actually a headline for another story there that, that actually says about Virgin Atlantic scrapping their... Um, uh, any idea at all of them ever buying or or using an A A three eighty? Oh, mm. oh right. Oh well, they, they to be fair, they did that a while ago. Mm. Mm. I mean, the chance. I mean, they they mm. they never really were ever going to take up that order. I mean, uh, no. not once uh, after nine eleven. It was uh, you know it was never going to happen. Is, mm. uh, has Acme Red got any uh, A three eighties in its fleet? No, no, and no plans to get any. No. Right. Oh, okay. No. Fair enough. Uh, sorry, I asked. Uh, okay. Not so, sure. Mike, if Mike, you're, if are you, you are still there, there and ready, it's time for you to read a story. Brace yourself. <laughs> Stand by, callers. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Uh, American to retire forty-five Boeing seven three seven to brave the world <laughs> in next two years. <clears throat> American Airlines Group Incorporated. Plans to retire 45 of its oldest Boeing corporated 737 jets over the next two years as part of an overhaul that will reduce the age of its workhorse narrow body fleet. It retires from most of its sodding cabin crew and all. <laughs> the Fort Worth Texas carrier plans to withdraw 12 of the aircraft next year and 33 in 2020, or about three a month. American's oldest 737-800s are almost 19 years old. Christ, and as old as me. <laughs> Although recent del deliveries have reduced the group's average age to 8.1 years. According to the airline's annual report, American had 304 of the Boeing model at the end of last year, make up nearly one-third of its main jet fleet. It's strictly an age-based retirement at this point. God, bloody hell. American <laughs> spokesman John Friedsell... Stating the sudden obvious, isn't it? Uh, let's, move, let's move down a bit here. Between the end of this year and the end of 2020, American plans to add 50 Airbus A321 Neo jets and 40 Boeing 37 MAX aircraft, according to a regulatory filing. The changes are part of American's broader effort to offset deliveries of new planes with retirements to hold its mainline fleet at around 950. Although the figure is set to drop to 935 in 2020, the carrier has received 469 new planes since it merged with US Airways at the end of 2013. It has retired the same number, lowering its average fleet age to 10 from 13. By the end of next year, American will shed the last of its aging Mad Dogs, oh, Captain Jeff won't be happy, uh, which have an average of 21 years. Jesus, webs. The carrier previously had as many as 75 planes, which once made up the majority of its fleet. 21 years! That's the length of some people's marriages. Fire! <laughs> it's, it's a lot longer, longer than, than some. I can say it's a lot longer than most people's marriages, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> Bloody hell. And that's the average age. I wonder how old the oldest is. That is a good point, yeah. That is true. Still, come on, we all love the Magdog, really. Well, I, I mean, it's quite common for airliners to go on for 25 years in, in a major carrier, and then they'll move off to some uh, lesser-known carrier who will work them to death. And they may even move on to a third one where they'll just carry cargo. So it's not it's not that old, 21 years, quite honestly. Didn't you cover a story of a mad dog that crashed in uh, Abuja? Was it two weeks ago or something like that? That yeah, was that Dana. That had come yeah. from Deltro like 30 odd years ago. Mm. Yeah, 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 exactly right. I'm trying to think what year it was built in. In the 
might have been the 70s. Wow. Wow, they they do have a lot. I mean, it's like all these Built things. Built to last. It's the same things with coaches and stuff, though. I mean, it's like you know the, what I call the workhorses. If you like, yes, obviously there are amazing new fandangled, you know, sort of like quarter of a million pound coaches that are out on the road there. But the majority of the of the like the older fleets, you know, it's not unusual to have a twenty to thirty year old coach that is still very beautiful, still well cared for, still completely fine. And presumably that's the same. Uh, I know. I know you do have like a like an. A, airframe age don't you that is like a, a maximum uh sort of uh sort of gives it a finite uh a date i guess but um i mean presumably providing the vehicle is well cared or the aircraft is well cared for it can there's no reason why it can't continue to fly for many many years i'm going to say something really old here you know they don't make them like they used to it is a, it is a true fact you know that, that's just the yorkshireman in you i'm afraid that's <laughs> well yeah it is think, actually think it's of the cost be, saving yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting in the future because uh, you can do uh, quite easy testing on an aluminium airframe yeah. and work out if it's cracking up and what's breaking in it yeah. but i'm just wondering how uh, carbon composites are going to serve uh, you know, when an aircraft's 30 or 40 years old and how easy it will be to test um, to see whether, uh, you know, it's starting to come apart. Well, and, and that, is the, that is the thing, isn't it? As you say, it's like literally, as, as Mike is saying, they literally don't make them like they used to. And it's, as you say, it's until they invent a test. Um, you know, you, you don't know, do you? Do you know, I just Googled oldest um, passenger aircraft in commercial operations in the UK just for... Just you know, for giggles. giggles. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's actually, it's come back with um, a hit on a Jet 2 uh, Boeing really? 737, which is uh, Golf for Charlie Echo Lima Hotel. And it's 31 years old. Wow. And that's a Jet 2 737. Wow. I'm amazed. I thought there'd be one that's like, so I, 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 I would have been, wouldn't have been at all surprised if you said there was one that was 40 years old still in service. Well, Jet 2's first 757 they had was um, when they ever first started. Had the registration GPIDS and it stood for Passengers in Deep Sh. Okay, right. <laughs> and it was very appropriate for a 30 some year old aircraft, wasn't it? Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. You know, everything nipped up there for a brief I moment. <laughs> every, well, time it, every time it came get... back, it, yeah. it, it needed a new wing or something. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, this is the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget there's some B-52s flying around well, where the current oh, pilot uh, <laughs> his father, his father was, used to be on the same airframe and his grandfather used to fly mm -hmm. the same That's airframe. That's true. Yeah. Very true. And they're still going. Amazing. Yeah, that, that is true. That so is the next true. story, and uh, this is on the Oh, click. hang on a minute. Jeff's uh, told me that story we were talking about, uh, that aircraft was built in 1990, he says, and so it made it 27.4 years old. Okay, very good. Yeah, this is why I like. This is why I love but the chat room. It's not anymore. What? No, no, indeed, it's uh, it's uh, not doing that. Yeah. So on the uh, click to Houston dot uh, com website, this I one. I beg your pardon. I know, and uh, we're we're back on to flight school type stuff again. Okay. And the headline on here: flight school addresses pilot shortage. The airline industry is facing a staffing crunch, a worldwide pilot shortage, making it tougher to grow and expand. Airlines need more pilots in training to replace retiring pilots, Nick, and keep their <laughs> aircraft in the air. Don't get any ideas. I've got Nick's seat lined up. Okay, right. five hundred and seventy-five <laughs> days time. I tell you. So one flight yeah. school has found you know, a... You know I choose who sits in my seat. <laughs> like, 
I get to pick the bloke. <laughs> that, that's, didn't you know that? I hope it's not Vincent. <laughs> oh, <blind. No. laughs> oh, you'd start sucking up now. Yeah. <laughs> You heard it here first right. on the PTUK show. So uh, indeed, yeah. the airline industry is facing a staffing crunch, so one flight school has found a unique way to keep pilots in the pipeline and in the industry, which is paying uh, attention. Just a few years ago, Mills Thwinder, or Thindwa, was working for a non-profit in Washington, D.C., but he dreamed of becoming a commercial pilot. Uh, but all the training was just too expensive at more than $60,000. It was looking bleak for a while, Thwinder said, and he was going to settle for doing a nine-to-five job in Washington uh, to a DC, com- well, Washington DC commute. Uh, Thindwa felt he was missing out on what some in the industry considered to be the best time ever to get into aviation. With thousands of baby boomer pilots retiring, there is a worldwide pilot shortage. Uh, they're not able to hire the numbers they want, so they have to. So they have scaled back flights. Uh, they've said uh, the pilot shortage was also hurting Perna, the founder of Epic Flight Academy, and they couldn't find enough experienced pilots willing to work as instructors. Perna's solution was a sponsorship program. Under the program, which Perna said was the first of its kind in the industry, the flight school would help pay the, the tuition for promising cadets. In exchange, those students would be required to work at Epic Flight Academy as instructors for approximately two years as they logged the 1,500 flight hours required to become a professional airline pilot. Kayla Keith, who grew up on a farm, said her mum struggled to pay for her early flight training. Um, but uh, pretty much uh, everything on the line to get here, Keith said. Honestly, they don't ask for a lot in return. You have to be a flight instructor anyway, so why would I not come here, he said. Javier Martinez left his family in Arizona to take part in the program, and he said it was a big sacrifice, but he really wanted to become a pilot, he said. He's now poised to take advantage of the pilot shortage and, and someday earn a six-figure salary. Cool, six-figure salary. Hello. <laughs> Aircraft manufacturer Boeing estimates 17,000 more pilots will be needed over the next two decades in North America alone. The program at Epic Flight Academy is full, but they said the funding model was so successful they believe airlines will eventually replicate it. Well, that's good, though, I suppose. We, you know, if we mm. can try and bring down the cost of learning to fly, I think that would uh, improve things no end. Well, that is true. That is true. Nick, you still paying your loan off from the uh, flight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost done. Um, don't forget, in my day, the the airlines used to pay for all their pilot training. Mm. I mean, Hamble yeah. was a flying school for um, British Airways or BOAC, and uh, they used to pick their cadets, and then they would pay for all their training and just then bring them into the airlines. So, you know, we're a long way from to getting back to those days, but they need to come back. Mm, definitely, they, they do need to come back because without them, without airlines, no one, no one is going to have the funding to do it. If you yeah. have two children these days, which like most families do have, if little Johnny would like to be a pilot at eighteen, it requires his mum and dad to put the house up as collateral yeah. to cover the hundred and ten thousand pounds or whatever it is <clears throat> in the world to to become a pilot, yeah. which is a heck of a lot of money to then only earn peanuts once you've passed 
Yeah. I any, mean, yep. any parent that's got his head screwed on is just going to say, no. Yeah. Pick, <laughs> a, pick a different career, kid. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> I, well, and, and it is a concern. I mean, a, a friend of the show who I won't name because I'm not sure I'm allowed to, to say, um, but uh, I mean, they've gone down. What, what, is it, what is it not C2C? What's it called? CPC? L, it, L3 it's called now. Oh, is it called L3? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, in, somebody, yeah. that's entirely self funded. And, mm. you know, this, this guy has literally put everything on the line you know and of course there is you know whilst they they say that they will give you a placement somewhere there is no guarantee these days of a job at the end of it i mean i i guess as long as you you qualify a, an appropriate standard maybe because there is this this very apparent sort of pilot shortage out there at the moment whether that that has made things easier for those who do qualify to get another job um i don't know if uh, either you or nick have a comment on that I think, I personally, I'd like to see airlines do um, more of the route that I went down, mm. um, where I, you know, I, I was, you know, frozen ATPL, and then took an advanced entry system where then you, you were given a type written by a company and then bonded to them for five years. That is, is it, yeah. okay, it's still like it's still expensive, but yeah. you're not having to fork out hundred thousand pounds or put your mum and dad's house up Literally, as collateral. Yeah, indeed. It, 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 you know, airlines do have the resources there, but at the, I think just at the minute, it is going to take someone to push it through and actually follow through with such an idea. Yeah. I mean, Nick, obviously, because, I mean, you know, your initial flying, if you like, was, um, you know, in in the military, essentially. I mean, I mean, what happened as far as you were concerned? Like, what, what was your path to, you know, the career that you now do as far as, uh, as um, sort of flying is concerned? Well, because the military uh, take a, an entirely uh, different aspect to its training than anyone else. For a start, its training is longer and much more comprehensive than any uh, airline could afford or any individual could afford to pay for, which is, uh, you know, you just do the basic minimum to get your license. Um, so, uh, and of course, there was no jeopardy for me. If I failed my training at any point, uh, that was it. Uh, I could try and remuster in a different trade or I could choose to leave the Air Force. It was mm. up to me and I would take those hours with me and perhaps use them to get a license in uh, Civvy Street, whatever hours I'd achieved up to that point. Um, so that training was, you know, uh, incredibly generous if you look at it that way. Um, the other aspect was that you were uh, joining a, a military outfit. So you had to be prepared to, you know, do whatever the military does, which is... If necessary, put your life on the line, but that's no big deal. Um, the fact was that those times it was a cold war, and uh, if we went to war, we were expecting all to be obliterated. So yes. it wasn't actually a, a very hard decision. No. Coming out of the Air Force, uh, I still had to do the full ATPL. That was the old 14 exams in two days, and it cost me about 15 grand to really? get my uh, um, civilian. Um, instrument rating so uh, you know it still wasn't cheap considering I had uh, you know 19 years of professional flying behind me mm. um, but uh, that was the way it worked you know they the civil world didn't uh, look with any great um, uh, generosity upon uh, military training no well, I'll tell you what would be an interesting one is that I've just looked on the L3 Academy website the cheapest, and this is without a placement at the end of it all, it just says that you'll be given interviews and, and so yeah. on. The cheapest course they offer is £80,000. 
Lord. I wonder how much of that eighty thousand pounds is profit towards L three. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess the only people who know the answer to that is is them themselves. Mm. I mean, Nev, obviously, you know, I mean, if you were you had kids that were sort of thinking, oh, Daddy, I want to be an airline pilot. I mean, uh, I, I, what would your thoughts be on re- in regard to, you know, somebody coming up to you and say, Dad, I want to be an airline pilot? Pick well, six I mean, numbers and out the win. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I indeed. suggest that they go and find a bank. Um, right. <laughs> 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 but have a think about this. What I don't understand, and maybe Nick uh, or Mike can uh, throw some light. What I don't understand about the whole industry is that one minute there's a pilot shortage, then it goes through a phase of it seems like six years, seven years, and then there's too many and people are laid off. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, if the, an airline goes bust, and we've had a few calamities over the last uh, year or so. Um, and then there's obviously a, a pilot excess, and then there's a pilot shortage again. It never seems to level itself out. And yeah. is this all down to demand, or is it d- down to uh, the economics? I, I just don't understand the cycle of um, pilot recruitment at all. I, I mean, is it because the, the 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 cycle, if you like, it takes so long to get somebody to a point where they're able to get in an aeroplane, and by the time you've done typewritings and all all that kind of thing, perhaps it's one of those things where it's difficult to, you know, you sort of withdraw the funding for a year type thing, but then already you know it's it's a year too late maybe well airlines would love to expand at a steady rate there's no doubt yeah. about it but uh, life doesn't work like that so uh, the airline i work for has gone bust at least nearly gone bust at least four times and yeah. it's come damn close to going under yeah. uh, much closer than anyone would uh, care, care to, to admit to yeah. so during uh, the first gulf war um they were a tiny airline with 10 airplanes uh, and losing a million pounds a month now you can't do that for very long no Uh, and then you get at the end of that there was a huge expansion not just uh the outfit i worked for but almost airlines did exactly the same uh so there's one rise and then you get 9 11 and all of a sudden everybody is uh is you know cutting back mm. redundancies everywhere airlines are going under and there's another downturn and then of course following that there there was a rise not as steep as uh, you might have hoped but there was a rise and these uh, are generally speaking uh, unpredictable natural events or unnatural events in some cases um uh, as well as just general demand in in the world market you 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 know, people when people have got plenty of money, and economies around the world are doing well, people will travel. Uh, and as soon as uh, the economy starts to flatten or take a bit of a dive, and one of the first things to go are those fabulous trips that everyone used to take, all those business trips overseas, etc. That dies away, and uh, the airline industry, as a result, suffers. So pilot recruitment will go in the same curve albeit lagging a little bit because it takes there's a bit of inertia behind that and of course it takes a while to build an airline up so you need to predict you're going to need pilots and it's all um hand to mouth there's no planning there's no it's all reaction to short-term events generally speaking rather than a long-term plan and that's not the fault of the airlines or the industry it's just the fault of the fact that um the world reacts quickly to mm. disasters and things. The bottom can drop out of the airline uh, market overnight, as oh, yeah. well, for example. Well, which um, secretary it was, but uh, one of them said it was events, dear boy. And uh, I think the uh, airline industry, along with so many other people, have to react to situations that happen. I mean, from 9-11 onwards. Mm. In the chat room, then. 
Uh, I said this the other night on um, Airplane Geeks the other day, is that there will always be a pilot shortage at the Korea starting airlines, your Ryanair's, your EasyJets, and so on and so forth, mm. because everyone is career-driven. They always want to work for mm. a better company. Nowadays, though, even with the likes of British Airways, <clears throat> you can move after two or three years from EasyJet and have a no better contract at British Airways as to what you have or had, should I say, at EasyJet. Hmm. So it is almost a race to the bottom. So the, it's not like saying there is a shortage. There, there will always be a shortage at these airlines, the EasyJets, Ryanair's, and. <laughs> oh, drop some of um, and, and whoever, it's always going to be there. We are, as people, career-driven. Career yeah. At the end of the day, money talks. If someone offers you an extra £10,000 a year, well, I'm not going to stay. You're not going to stay just because they're short. No. It's common sense. Yeah, Pilot yeah. Pip in the chat room said that airlines are too reactionary and not all proactive. Mm. Uh, Andrew Wilson agrees. And... Um, there's, there's a big chat's going on. Neil Landwarn has said in the chat room, look at Monarch, big expansion plans, then cut the long haul, then went bust. No, I, so. I do think a lot of pro a lot of the problem at, uh, <coughs> at Monarch actually was one of their more, more profitable routes, I think, was was the routes to sort of Sharm el-Sheikh and things like that. Mm, yeah. And, of course, yeah, to lose, to lose yeah. that, like, literally overnight. Mm. I mean, I, I think I don't think they ever really recovered, did they? I mean, that was... That was the same, but again, again, that that highlight that that almost highlights beautifully in some respects how volatile the uh, aviation, aviation industry can yeah. be, because yeah. all it takes is is an incident where perhaps you know in charge, you know, the British government say, okay, nothing's allowed to fly into Sharm El Sheikh anymore because of security concerns, and then suddenly your most profitable route is gone overnight. Mm. Uh, Andrew Wilson has just said in the chat room, uh, currently at his airline, people are resigning left, right and centre to go to BA. Now they've opened the doors again. Okay. But then, of course, you, again, you've got this same thing where a lot of people are leaving to go to to, to go and work for people like Nor, Nor Norwegian, Norwegian, yeah. and and uh, Wiz and Wow and all that kind of thing. So I mean, it's uh, it's uh, you know, this is maybe why people like Michael O'Neill really do need to start listening to the pilots if they want to hang on to them, really, because there is a lot of competition out there. Yeah, you know, well, going back to the the whole the, the story starts that Ryanair actually offer one of the better cadet schemes and cheaper to get into aviation. So Ryanair, even though we all say, well, they're a bad company and they don't look after their employees or so on and so forth, they are a good starting ladder in life because they offer a very, very easier way to get into a commercial airline mm. and sometimes £50,000 cheaper than what EasyJet or anyone else can offer. So that's food for thought for those out yeah. there thinking of it. Yeah, it's it's as if it's yeah, it's it's a really oh I don't know this this is a debate but, that could yeah go. that is a good point though Mike but you just have to weigh up the lack of uh, benefits you know health benefits mm. insurance mm. Uh, yeah you know the cost that the all the stuff that we get given a standard in an airline like ours uh, if 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 you can make the sums work then I can see why people would uh, choose to go to uh, to Ryanair mm. but that's the whole thing you're not going to get class A salaries. In first year jobs, you no. you have to start at the bottom somewhere, and that is, you know, but, even if you stay there for two to three years, you build your hours up and then you move on. 
But then, then, yes. are, then are people literally using that model, as, as you say? Is, is, is essentially, is everybody's dream to end up working for someone like, say, Emirates or something like that? Is, is, is that what you, you mean by that, essentially? So you, well, got... everyone is career-driven, though, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, you, if you want to start off <clears throat> as a shop floor assistant, you yeah. want to move to a manager or supervisor. Everyone is career and money-driven. So that is, a, you know, yeah. Ryanair is a starting point for yeah. anyone looking to get into that, you know. It is common knowledge. It's common sense. We're all career-driven, and yeah. that's it. That is the be-all and end-all. Yeah. Nick was, Nick can argue as much as he wants. At some point, he was career-driven. Maybe not now at <clears throat> 63. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's different. Yeah. I will have a different... At 28, I'll have a different outlook to what my career yeah. wants, as opposed to anyone else. But I'm just saying that is, that is the be-all and end-all. Everyone is career-driven. I, well, I, 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 I've only had two jobs, so I don't know. Not much I've of a career then. I've only had two, two. No, indeed. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think I, I think I speak for me and Nev when I both um, say basically our motivation is wherever the, the whether wherever the bacon sandwiches are are the, at yeah. their best. To be fair, I mean it's uh, you know. Yeah, uh, owls, my, my outfit does a good bacon patty for does breakfast. It? Right. Okay. <laughs> before we before we move on to the last story, which is a top nine, oh, I will it? say oh. we, oh. we couldn't afford a top ten this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we've got a top nine. But uh, before we move on, I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times before, Nick. But uh, when when you eventually do um, leave the realms of uh, commercial piloting with uh, Acme Red, are you going to continue uh, flying in the skies above the UK? Well, well no, you see, because Mike's still going to be a pilot somewhere, so <laughs> I don't think I'll ever fly again, just in case. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I nearly flew you all, I nearly flew you all last week, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking of being a no-show. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, would, I wouldn't have been a generous as Keith. I tell you that, Adam, when you sit down, that with your knees around your ears. Well, well luckily, it's not. I was. I did have my knees down my ears, but... Uh, mm, yeah, I'm sample them perfect bunks. Yeah, well, luckily you weren't in charge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it'll be well, more than a few brown stains. Oh dear. Oh dear. Okay, and on that bring, bombshell, bring back say... the day. Bring back the days of flight engineers. Eh? Okay. Anyway, good. right. Yes. Right. <laughs> As you were. So, um, the last uh, story then is is a top nine. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, this uh, particular top nine is on the Forbes dot com website. It's so uh, one of can these. I, can I just say my link's not working? Oh, isn't it? Is oh, it might be because okay. you've got an ad blocker on. It could be oh, an ad okay. blocker issue. Right. But this one and is on. I also point out this is only the top nine from one country. It is. Well, indeed, yes, yes. Especially indeed. for look, our... it's a top nine, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> your show doesn't even come from that country. No, is that because the one that got nine airlines in said country? That's possibly. Beca- this yeah. is because this is because <laughs> this is because we really appreciate our U.S. listeners. Right. And that's okay. why we're bringing the top nine. Okay. We'll do a top ten from the U.S. UK next week. Right. We'll, we'll afford the extra one. Will we? Okay. We've only got five now. Monarch's gone bust, so what right. are we going to do next week? <laughs> Again, a good point. Uh, moving, so this moving. one, moving swiftly on, <laughs> this one is the best and worst airlines in America. <sighs> and uh, so this uh, this overall list has been kind of put together with uh, a set of 10 criteria in categories ranging from price of airfare, baggage, uh, change <laughs> fees, headaches with lost baggage, um, and all those kind of bits and pieces that are put together 
you know going on a good airline. So uh, Does police brutality count. No, no, United. <laughs> oh, United is on there. Um, so, um, <laughs> so because uh, they're not American anymore. Is that why it's nine and not ten? <laughs> <laughs> Have we got any music, Matt, for this one? Uh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, you yeah. want me to actually do something? Okay, yes, of course. So we're going to start at number nine. Uh, yes, it's number nine, ladies and gentlemen, number nine. So at number nine, it is Hawaiian Airlines. Ooh, and in at number eight, uh, Captain Nick, this is for you. At uh, number eight is that wonderfully coloured jet blue. Uh, Nev, in at number seven. It's Spirit Airlines. Uh, Mike, in at number six, if you found it. American. Uh, very good. Middle for diddle, it is number five, Carlos. Number five, it's... How can it be middle? We're in nine. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't half. do four and a half. Moving on. <laughs> it's uh, Frontier Airlines. Indeed. Uh, never, it is number four. Fancy a punch-up? It's United Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Nick, number three, please. <laughs> number three is the world's happiest and most lovable airline, Delta. It's new, it's live, it's in at number two, please. It is, uh, um, uh, who are we going with? Mike, sorry. <laughs> I mean, they've definitely got this wrong. It says Southwest. Right, okay. And it is top of the pops. It is number one, Carlos. It's chilly, it's cold. It's chilly if you're feeling silly. It's Alaska Airlines. Wow, have you been thinking about that all day? Well, a bit Just... cold, a bit cold, <laughs> Alaska. It's because they uh, bought out Virgin America. That, that raised their ranking. Right. Well, so there we go. The, ranked by category. So the uh, the best, oh. well, the best one out of the lot. Then. Oh, thanks for ending that music so swiftly, <laughs> Mister. I tried to fade it, but it didn't work very oh, well. I'm no looking forward there. very much to having this new desk that that, that 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 is arriving very soon. I'm having to do it with a touch screen. It doesn't work very well. Anyway, enough of my first world problems. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, according to this, actually, the the best uh, loungers are uh, with Delta. Um, are they? So there we go, yeah. Oh, very good. <laughs> Okay, well, the that best was a... lounges are with Delta. Right. That's because half of them are used by Virgin Atlantic. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, they're, that... in their, they're in there mixing it with the uh, Virgin Atlantic uh, lovely right. passengers. Lovely crew, I think. Anyway, moving on. The, uh, the... <laughs> Younger crew as well, I may add. Yes. Right. Okay, yes. So uh, that's the end of the commercial segment for okay. this week. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hand things over now to the king of everything to do with the passenger experience. So, Nev, uh, give us a brief on this week's segment. Yes, it's that time again. It's Nev's passenger experience. And uh, the fellow that we're talking to is actually in the chat room. So there, which oh, is he? Oh. So uh, he was on last week's show, and then we did a uh, little chat with him afterwards. And it's uh, Armando Carrion. Hello and welcome to another in the series of Nev's Passenger Experience. I'm really enjoying bringing these segments to you and I hope you're enjoying watching and listening to them as well. If you would like to take part in them, then don't hesitate to drop me a note at podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And I'd be delighted to do an interview with you. That would be fantastic. Well, this week I'm speaking to Armando Carrion, and Armando very kindly came down to our 200th show down in London a few weeks ago, and it was a great delight to meet him there. And he was doing an interview with me whilst he was in the barn studio the other day, and I was in my studio here in Buckinghamshire. I began by asking Armando what sort of flying he'd been doing recently. Yeah, it was, I, th I think, a, like two weeks ago I, I went from 
uh, here to Florida to Charlotte to Atlanta okay. to um, up to New York, uh, New York to Heathrow, then flipped over the same day and did uh, so landed at Heathrow from a long haul flight and back to back work trips, and uh, and then ended up going jumping on Eurowings to Stuttgart. And then that, I don't think that was a direct flight. I think there was an intermediate stop in there somewhere, maybe Hamburg or something. I, I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's sort of the life sometimes. It's Nearly as much flying as you, Nev. Yeah, well, yes. Well, no, no, a lot more than me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, so the uh, combination of my work and, and sort of personal travel uh, with my family being back in the States, I get to do a little bit of both um a lot of our work trips are short haul over to europe to mainland europe um and then uh and i try to get home to the to the u.s as often as possible or as often as one can afford one thing that i i, I don't have to do but I, I end up going back to for the reno air races every year um i'm part of a team out there and uh that that tends to be a long trip so sometimes that's a gat gatwick to oslo oslo to um oakland or something like that and then uh, over to reno you know so it's it's kind of a a dr steph style you know four legs five legs just to get from a small airport to small airport yeah and it, of course the the whole flying thing these days you know the checking in the luggage and all this business what do you think about all that are you very tolerant of all those sorts of things I, I don't mind it too much. I, I've gotten my, my packing down to just a carry-on everywhere. Um, uh, the, I'm perfectly fine with it, with uh, just going and, and not paying for any luggage um, and, and just kind of living out of a small suitcase for even two weeks at a time, and two, three weeks at a time. <laughs> so would we see you in the, in the business class section normally of these flights, or would you be back in coach somewhere? That is a wholehearted no. Um, <laughs> I'm usually uh, row 68Q, uh, something like that, which is kind of the cheapest I can afford. Uh, even when work uh, buys us our plane tickets, we're, we're, we're in an, an economy. If we're lucky, we may get a, a boost up to Economy Plus or Comfort Plus, whatever the airline calls it. But, but it's 99% uh, of the time in economy class. And do you have to fly certain airlines in all, in, when work is paying for you? Uh, they tend to go with, with U.S. carriers, but uh, the Star Alliance, any, any of those airline alliances, they, uh, they're all kind of the, the, the code share. So a lot of times I'll end up on uh, Virgin or um, British Airways, something like, something like that. So, so it's not exclusive, I, I would say. Certainly, the obviously the big airports in the U.S. are just incredible. The you know the size of some of these places, particularly places like LAX and and DFW, um, they are just enormous. Is, is that quite difficult? Are those airports quite difficult to navigate your way through, or you uh, you got them off to a T now? No, it, it's always the same ones. So so you end up figuring out the shortcuts and what what train is quicker, and uh, you know which which gates are, are where, so you can kind of plan when you're still sitting on the airplane bef while everybody is deplaning, you can figure out how fast or slow you're going to have to run. Um, so one, one huge difference between the U.S. and, and U.K. airports specifically is we tend to have the, the, the fast trains or some kind of underground system. So the whole, uh, you know, walking from a, from a Heathrow gate a, a mile and a half to, to reclaim your luggage is... Uh, kind of unheard of in the u.s 
Yeah, I guess so. And uh, I think we're getting better at it now. There's gradually more move towards sort of uh, mass rapid transport, but it, it's got a long way to go. And it's something which the, the US have always done very well, I think. Well, yeah, I think we, we just have the space. So when, when Denver International was built, it was built in the, in the middle of a field. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth International was built in the middle of a field uh, that was donated by Baylor University, I think. So uh, they they plan these airports out to just be in the middle of nowhere usually and and they have the ability to you know do an underground system or just these mass transit systems as opposed to to here in Europe where um they're usually quite close to a to a city you know yeah that's that's right uh, what would what are your favorite uh, airports to fly in and out of would you say i was really impressed by oslo and i can't remember which oslo airport it was but it was the one that had all the greenery and mm. uh and it just you know it was sort of uh, from the, the movie Avatar. It was just, there was plants everywhere and they were selling salmon and locks everywhere and it was uh, aesthetically pleasing. Um, and then, that, and then on, the, on the flip side of it, I, I've always really liked Pittsburgh Airport. Um, it was the first one that had sort of that shopping center, right? And that, that layout with the X and the shopping center in the middle, that, that was always kind of struck me as one of my favorite airports. Yeah, I, I like the, all the Scandinavian airports, actually, uh, Stockholm, uh, Arlanda, uh, Copenhagen and Oslo. They're, they're, they're very quite relaxing places to be, considering the, the size of them. I think they're actually really quite uh, quite nice to be in. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's, it's relaxing right before you, you jump on a long-haul flight. Yeah, absolutely. And Pittsburgh was nice as well when we went over there last year for the first time. That, that was great. So, uh, so what's, the, what's the plans for the future? Any more uh, long-haul sectors planned? Oh, yeah. I, I fly... You know, probably 10 to 15 trips per year, both uh, about 50-50 back uh, long haul and short haul. So I, I don't know, without looking at my schedule, I think just the rest of this year I've got another eight or nine trips. Um, I think four of those are back to the U.S. So, yeah, just a little bit of everything. And with the Star Alliance, do you get lots of uh, points and uh, opportunities for upgrade uh, by using those tools? Uh, we do. Uh, that's sometimes, so we don't have a choice in the booking and, and they'll book you on a different airline and oh. uh, <laughs> you're trying to rack up points on, a, on American or Delta or BA or something and, and you see your, your, your travel, um, sort of your travel itinerary and you see that they've booked you on something else and you're just like, man, I was, I was so close to, to platinum or something like that. <laughs> And you get bumped down to the next level for the next year or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you, Armando. Thanks very much indeed for talking to me today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com The Plain Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pay us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website. 
www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester Wizz Air 6X Client Flight Level 210 Direct to Brookman's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. Well done, Nev, on another oh, sterling you. performance. As thank always, of course. Yeah, Absolutely. loved it, Nev. Yeah, interesting uh, chap to talk uh, to him, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, I think the um, uh, I've got some more. Li- well, actually, no, I haven't got any more lined up for this week, so I need to record a couple. So uh, wow, I'll be doing some uh, later in the week, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as as Nev uh, said at the at the top of that, there, uh, if anybody would like to feature in, uh, if they're willing to have a chat uh, with Nev uh, to to create to basically have your own Nev's passenger experience, uh, then please do get in touch with the show using our usual email address which is, is, is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com that is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com yes and ho- hopefully we can see some of our listeners being uh, grilled by yeah absolutely Nev. grilled yeah it's, 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 it's hardly a grilling now is it i mean it's a you know it's a polite conversation about aviation let's be honest yes, oh, very much so the jeremy paxman yeah, yeah indeed yeah you, you I, might I give people quite a dignity time well indeed absolutely so there we go no no nev never has even managed to interview the uh, what my wifey wife Gemma for the passenger yeah, experience absolutely. i still can't believe that I was know. that was okayed frankly no, <laughs> but, no. Uh, there we are uh, we had a lot of fun at your expense we, during yeah, that, that was actually, good that was good fun we had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> so we've we've got uh, three little uh, military news stories just for Jonathan Warner this okay, week. Right. Um, just to, just to uh, you know, just put to, a smile on his to face to keep him happy. To keep him yes, happy, absolutely. So if everyone's ready, we're going to do a bit of military news. Here we go. So the first uh, news story is on Flight Global uh, this week. 
And uh, slightly sad news, if you're a fan of the Airbus A400M, which uh, I think oh. we've all seen and loved at the, yeah. the various air shows. So Airbus are uh, to slash... Uh, A400M assembly rate. So Airbus is to dramatically slow its final assembly rate for the A400M tactical transport from a high of 19 achieved in 2017 to only 8 per year wow. from 2020, the company confirms this week. Production will be adjusted uh, to 8 units per year as of 2020, following production of 15 A400Ms in 2018 and 11 units in 2019, Airbus has said. This adjustment is based on Discussions with the launch customer nations, it says, adding that its defence and space unit will uh, pursue export opportunities beyond this level. Airbus and seven European customers for the Atlas Transport signed a declaration of intent early in February, confirming their agreement to review a combined 170-unit order. This followed a lengthy, uh, by lengthy effort by the uh, manufacturer to ease what is described as uh, the huge financial burden it was facing. Uh, a consequence of financial penalties linked to program delays and the late introduction of a promised tactical capabilities. Under its uh, revised production schedule announced on the 7th of March, Airbus Defence and Space should end 2019 having delivered approximately 80 aircraft from the total of 174 A400Ms currently ordered, also including loan export by Malaysia. Uh, at the reduced rate of 8 per annum, it should take a further 12 years for it to complete the remaining aircraft, extending work into the early 2030s. The A400M rate announcement was made in conjunction with a move by Airbus's commercial arm to also slow its A380 output to six super jumbos per year from 2020. The combined measures will affect up to 3,700 jobs in France, Germany, Spain and the UK. The has said. Airbus has to ensure the best possible production flow for its products. The company says these rate adjustment decisions provide clear visi uh, visibility for customers, uh, the supply chain and employees over the coming years. So it's uh, well, it's sad to see. I suppose mm. obviously they're they're not stopping production, but they are quite they are uh, dramatically slowing it, yeah. production of the 400M. Um, I've been, as you, most of you know, I've been lucky enough to go on board one of these aircraft at Riyadh a few times, and um, they are pretty, um, you know, really well put together aircraft. I think, anyway, great to see the demonstration that these guys put on with these as well at the air shows. Oh, that was the great. highlight of Farnborough yeah, for me good. was was when when they did that routine with the with the A was it the A three eighty wasn't it the A three eighty and the A four hundred M. I mean, it was yeah. absolutely it was it was mm. it was award winning. Frankly, I really enjoyed it. Have you had a chance to uh, hop on board one of these, Nick, in your uh, travels? Uh, military transport? Not my cup of tea, really, quite honestly. <laughs> I mean, I have to say I thought Airbus was pretty brave taking on a very long-established uh, military transport like the Hercules of the C-130 and all its different vari variants, including the fact that uh, uh, the latest one is uh, incredibly capable and very modern uh, and still being built uh, the longest uh, produced uh, military uh, aircraft uh, in existence. So um, I'm not surprised it's struggling a little bit against uh, that uh, competition. Uh, however, it's always a shame to see uh, what looks like an extremely capable aircraft being uh, slowed. But uh, mm. I mean, they're still building it till 2030 and they're they, 
many other customers may emerge between now and then so they can always boost up the production line if they need to um, also nice to see that the thread is still being produced as late as 2020 but I think uh, that has proven to be a cable aircraft but in the wrong environment it's uh, you know it's like uh, um, it, it's like the woolly mammoth it's gonna die out <laughs> well yes I mean everything has to come to an end I don't think even at that uh, young age, which it is, really, still. Don't the, um, the A380 and the A400 actually share a lot in common, don't they? They have a, the same flying envelope, I think, performance-wise, I think, don't they? Well, the 380 can <clears throat> do a Jondel, I don't know. I've never seen one do it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain <laughs> I've seen some, some. I've read somewhere that they, they, I think they share pretty much the same flight envelope. Interesting. Someone can correct that, I think. The chat room will soon spark, uh, pipe up, I expect. I think, that is true, I think yeah. some of the limitations on the 380 it might be a little bit more than the, uh, <laughs> than the A400. Do you find out? Oh, we've not got any coming anymore, have we? No. no. <laughs> okay, good. So, Nev, do you want to take the, uh, to take the next story? Yes, I will. And just at that moment, uh, my computer decided to do something funny. But don't worry, we're here now. Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, another excellent piece of uh, journalism in the Shropshire Star. And it <laughs> says that the, a bird strike forces RAF Shawbury helicopter to land. I mean, it's always force, isn't it, in journalism? And, uh, uh, it says a helicopter was forced to make a precautionary landing after being hit by a bird whilst on a training run. And uh, the helicopter last night remained where it had landed as engineers assessed whether it had been damaged and the best way to get it back to RAF Shawbury. A spokesman for the MOD would not be drawn on where the incident had taken place in the country, but said that there was no risk to the public at any time during the incident. The spokesman said, I can confirm that on Thursday an unidentified bird flew into one of our helicopters. As safety is paramount in everything we do, the crew made a precautionary landing without incident. All air crew have standard operating procedures, for instance, in the air, such as a bird strike, which were followed methodically. Uh, the crew of this helicopter are very experienced and at no time was there any risk of injury to members of the public. They have to repeat it, don't they? Uh, engineers are currently assessing the damage to the aircraft and following their assessment will advise us how to safely recover the aircraft back to RAF Shawbury. Um, so uh, probably on the back of a trailer, I would imagine. Um, so um, <laughs> there we go. Um, here's a quick question, though. Um, I don't know if Nick knows the answer to that. Do the um, AAIB investigate um, RAF um, incidents and accidents, or is that a, an RAF no. investigation? Well, uh, unless things have changed in service in the service, no. Uh, the service forms a uh, court of inquiry, uh, and that's chaired by usually a reasonably senior officer, and uh, then they have uh, experts uh, from the engineering, uh, the operation world of that aircraft and uh, various other uh, uh, members of the board and they sit down and, uh, and do the inquiry. Uh, it usually takes about uh, four to six weeks. But this is, uh, I mean, this is like a put down the field that you yeah. can usually cover this in a unit inquiry. So that's yeah. much, uh, mm. much smaller. Actually, one of the That's things I was going to say was, norm you know, when you look at the news stories and stuff on such sites as Aviation Herald or other um, news feeds, you know, you see a, a lot of fixed-wing aircraft or commercial aircraft having bird strikes, but you don't tend to see a huge amount of uh, bird strikes involving rotary aircraft or helicopters. Well, you do, but normally they're hit from behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
silence there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. Yeah, indeed, yeah. yeah. But uh, moving on to the last story, and uh, especially for the US listeners, this next one. And uh, Nick, oh, do you want to take this one? This, aren't they? Come on, Nick. Oh, this is uh, again my favourite newspaper, the Daily Mail, and uh, and this has been this is great considering the revelations that the president has made about the savings that he made over Air Force One, all down to him, of course. Of course. Uh, and uh, the headline says, revealed the Pentagon is building a $250 million hangar to house the new $3.9 billion Air Force One fleet after Trump said he would keep the out-of-control cost down. So uh, <laughs> apparently President Trump has finally agreed the deal after initial, initially saying that... Uh, uh, costs were out of control. The White House has said the new contract will save $1.4 billion. Now it has emerged that the new Boeing 747-8 will need new hangars. Uh, a general says they are wider and longer than current Air Force One planes. Uh, so they're going to build this new hangar. It's going to cost, uh, I mean, a lot of money. Uh, the new facility will be uh, Joint Base uh, Andrews. Um, was announced less than two weeks after President Trump penned a $3.9 billion deal with Boeing for the two, two new planes. Yeah. When they call it a fleet, I mean a fleet of two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, when he took office, the President said uh, the costs of Air Force One were out of control, vowed to dramatically cut costs in the invest sorry, government investment in the scheme. Um, lots of nice pictures. And then a stupid video that's just self-started itself. Um, so uh, just to uh, try and pre-see this, uh, Lieutenant General Arnie Bunch, the Air Force's top uniformed acquisition official, said the current facility uh, at Andrews in Maryland was not large enough to accommodate the new aircraft, which will be a modified Boeing 747-8. He told Aviation Leak, the uh, new aircraft is wider, longer, weighs more, so we'll need new hangar. Um, Boeing's chief executive, Dennis uh, Muhlenberg, met uh, multiple times with Trump to discuss the Air Force One contract before the deal was finalized. Uh, oh, God. 2011, Boeing agreed a 4.9 billion fixed price contract. Well, it obviously wasn't fixed enough since it's been <laughs> reduced. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was for the, the refueling tanker. I'm sorry, the KC-46. Um, through a late last year, cost overruns had reached about 2.9 billion on pre-tax costs. Wow. I mean, this is not a, a terribly jointed piece of writing. It's hard it's to work out where they're going it's in this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not joined up at all. I mean, don't no. these people know how to be journalists? Obviously <laughs> not. No. Do you really want me to carry on with this? Uh, I'm trying to read, uh, see if there's anything of a revelation. Um, the 787s are, sorry, 747s are designed to be an airborne White House, able to fly in worst-case security scenarios, such as nuclear war, and are modified with military avionics, advanced communications, and self-defense systems. But I note that this one will be one of the first uh, in recent history that won't be able to conduct head-away refueling. Oh. So why is that? Hmm. I don't know. Because it's got such an awesome range, it doesn't need refueling. Uh, uh, I don't... Well, the other one, you could keep it in place for 
days, yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what's wrong? <laughs> I don't think it can fly <laughs> for days. Well, that's true. <laughs> I don't, well, yes, exactly. I suppose, is, and, and the advantage about the air-to-air -air refueling thing, obviously, is that if, for whatever reason, he needed, you know, the plane needed to be in the air for prolonged periods of time, somebody could come and top it up. If you see what yeah, I mean. that's so, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. Now, yeah. Some interesting bits here. The old one, uh, the seven four seven two hundred, had in flight refueling, uh, self-contained baggage loading, two galleys providing one hundred meals in one sitting. I'm just thinking that's not actually great because uh, uh, most airlines uh, can feed like two or three hundred at a go. Um, so there you go. Capacity for three thousand frozen meal meals to be held in chillers. Um, conference, executive dining room, self-contained office for the president, sitting area which converts into a bedroom for the president okay. and a first lady, mm -hmm. onboard hospital, offices for staff, crew rest, business class style cabin for reporters. Now the new one, the specification still to be released, but extra floor area. Oh, it's bigger, yes, of course. Top deck more than twice as long as the uh, 747-200, which uh, will mean more space for conference and rest areas. And uh, the 747-8 can allow extra rest areas above the passenger floor uh, at the rear called the Crown. Okay, fair enough. In oh. Interesting facts about the old one, commissioned by Ronald Reagan into service in 1990, has carried uh, Presidents uh, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama, and oh. Trump. Uh, they will fly the winner of the 2020 election, because, of course, the new one won't be out by then. <laughs> Has anyone been to um, the Museum of Flight at uh, the, the Boeing dump in uh, Seattle? Uh, <laughs> the, the say what now? <laughs> uh, the Museum of Flight. They've got the um, 707 Air Force One there. Okay. Oh. Absolutely brilliant. I walk, you, you can walk through the cabin. I did that. And they've got the, the little um, uh, conference area there. And, of course, that was the one after the tragic shooting of uh, JFK. Mm. Um, where the next president was sworn in. He was sworn in on, on board that 747. Sorry, that 707. Wow. Uh, and it's just fascinating to look through and see the communications there because they're like old Bakelite telephones and things. And there's a big red one with a big scramble button beside <laughs> it. It's uh, brilliant. I know. I mean, you sort of don't really appreciate how, how much technology has moved on sometimes until you sort of go to something that, w that really isn't, you know, in aviation terms necessarily that that old if you like i mean it's amazing how quickly uh, things have have moved on uh, oh in, yes in general. and of course yeah. the hardest thing nowadays is uh, because of micro electronics and the fact that we're all our devices use such tiny voltages they're yeah. incredibly susceptible to uh, the um amp the yeah. electronic uh, pulse, pulse that pulse, a nuclear yeah. weapon will release so one of the things they have to do is to uh, harden uh, that aircraft and mm. I'm putting harden in inverted commas because it's not a physical hardening uh, of the aircraft, it's not like armour but they do have to protect all these circuits on board so uh, to be able flying. to withstand yeah. EMP uh, and of course in the old days when you had valves and uh, thick heavy wires, uh, it was naturally resistant yeah. just because of the weight of the system but nowadays with microelectronics it's so easy to yeah. blow out a little circuit board or something, they have to 
uh, put everything inside Faraday's cages and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it's quite it's quite a bit of work to uh, get that up and fit to be a uh, mobile White House, that's for sure. So earlier on today we had, uh, uh, well, an email sent in to us here at PTUK. We did. Uh, from listener Jenny Parkinson. And uh, Matt, what was that uh, email all about? Uh, well, yeah, basically uh, we received an email from, from Jenny in regard to... Um, uh, an experience that her friend uh, Diana had had very recently flying with Nor... Nor I'm going to say this wrong, aren't I? Norwegian. Norwegian, sorry. Here we go. Hello, this is Jenny in Rome, and I'm talking to Diana, my friend and colleague, who has recently taken a flight from Rome to New York with Norwegian. And so overall, what did you think? Um, I was very pleased with the flight. Um, I thought that the, um, the cabin itself was very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I found that there was a decent amount of leg room. Um, the seats were comfortable enough. Were you, were you booked into the economy section? Or? Yes, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and um, in terms of the flight experience itself, I really had uh, no complaints whatsoever. I thought it was um, a really, really nice flight. Um, I could feel the difference in uh, the cabin pressure. Mm -hmm. um, I felt much less thirsty, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, usually when I fly um, um, any long haul flights, mid-flight, I just am parched. And I feel it in my skin, I feel it in my throat. This time I felt, um, I felt great, I felt fine. Oh, that's good. Um, didn't feel nearly as tired when I landed. Mm -hmm. um, the only complaint that I had was the food. Oh, what was that, what happened there? Well, um, I, paid extra to have a uh, meal service, mm -hmm. and it was just terrible. What did they give you? On um, my flight out, it was um, lasagna, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, not lasagna, uh, ravioli. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was inedible. Mm -hmm. um, coming back, it was chicken and rice. The rice was very good. The chicken, again, was inedible. It mm -hmm. was terrible. Um, so I would definitely fly with them again, but I would not opt for the meal service. I would order, um, a la carte. They've got panini that you can order um, through their in-flight entertainment um, service. Um, so that's right in the screen in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, you scroll through, you see you know, everything they have available a la carte. You pay um, through that device um, and within a few minutes the flight attendant comes and uh, delivers your order. Oh, that's so quite it's good. Actually, yeah, it's really, it's really that's efficient. And, you, and did you say you do your duty-free purchases yes. if you're going to make any that way too? Exactly, yeah. exactly. All mm -hmm. through the same um, mm -hmm. uh, in-flight entertainment uh, mm -hmm. screen. And what entertainment did they offer you? Well, okay, so funnily enough, on my flight out, um, I wasn't thrilled with the selection of films. Mm -hmm. Coming back, the selection was much better. Mm -hmm. Flying back from New York, I don't know why, um, they had uh, films that uh, were nominated for Oscars, which were not available on my flight out. Mm -hmm. um, so coming back, I was um, I was very happy with the selection. Okay, and price-wise, how does it compare with the flight you usually take? I thought that uh, price-wise, um, it was very competitive. Um, I opted for the... Um, I don't remember what, what they called it, but I think it was the low cost plus or something mm -hmm. like that. So for $90 more each way, um, I had uh, a reserved seat, um, my meal, and one checked um, bag. Oh, okay. um, and for that, it ended up being 
somewhat less than what I would have paid for um, a similar ticket on Alitalia. Um, now that being said, um, next time I fly with Norwegian, which I fully intend to do, I won't do the um, the $90 supplement um, mm -hmm. because again, I was really unhappy with the food service. I would rather just you know get a panini at the airport or um, uh, you know mid-flight. Um, and I found that I, you know, just me personally, I didn't need to check a bag. Mm -hmm. So that's another cost that I would um, avoid. Right. Um, anyway, so overall you were pleased with it then? I was very happy with it, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Oh dear. Uh, Nev, you have competition Nev. here. What's going Nev. on? <laughs> What's the point of this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chuck it away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh God, thank you, Nev. Great job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, well, no, there we are. Thank you. It's um, it's yeah. Uh, thanks, Jenny, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have a sort of because uh, we, we've been uh, we've been sort of wanting to get some feedback from Nor Norwegian region Norwegian uh, Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm not supposed to say Norwegian. I keep getting told off when I do that. So yeah, so we're hoping that uh, so it's good to have that. But yes, absolutely. So if you need a holiday, never at any point. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was going to say I, I can take a hint. Uh, no, not at all. Not that. Not at all. But uh, well, no, uh, to be good. fair, you don't know her friend diana Let, let's be honest That's so true. yeah apparently oh stop press everyone oh, 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 apparently okay. uh, neil landwarn has ordered himself a ptuk t-shirt has he yeah oh. according to the chat room oh, okay well the done phone, neil the phone will be going nuts in a minute then yeah. uh, that's very good in fact i can hear it going off now uh, but uh, yeah so th that is uh, yeah thanks for that uh, jenny for that and don't forget <laughs> yeah. uh, if you do want to send us in some audio feedback mm. and uh, send it into the show and matt can uh, put it and edit it all together and put it all lovely on yeah. the screen Absolutely. Uh, yeah. We particularly like it if you could, uh, if you are able to include some photos as well. That yeah, really helps because be then yeah. we can just sort of yeah. break it up a bit. Otherwise, it's just a splash screen, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, we have uh, obviously got uh, Mike, first officer Mike, joining us on this week's show. And before we finish the show today, we're just going to have a quick chat with Mike and uh, really about uh, your career and sort of, well, basically how you got to where you are now. What do you want to know? Well, <laughs> well, obviously you didn't just jump straight into okay. the uh, right, right okay. seat of a, uh, so, of, I mean, of a dreamliner. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, obviously you're you're interested. I mean, in most cases, it's like you know people wanted to be pilots from from the outset. How did your journey start? What was it that that really uh, that that really had you hooked as far as aviation was concerned? Probably when I realised I weren't going to be an electrician, I thought I needed a new, a new, new career choice. Um, <clears throat> my mum owned a hotel lighting company and I was doing some work for her. First day of the job and I lighted up the whole floor. Um, my fusing it all up wrong, blew all the, oh. the lights, the sockets, <laughs> you name it. And, and, and anyway, yeah. So I was invited not to come back the next day by my own mother. <laughs> and then realised that a new career choice was needed. Um, so it originally started with um, Grant. I went to LA once. And we hit an air pocket on um, approach, and it scared me. So I, I now don't like flying as a passenger. Don't tell anyone that. <laughs> right, um, okay. So, and it scared me. So my granddad sent me up with his friend Brian in his Cessna 152 in uh, at least Bradford Airport. Um, now, Brian's a bit of the, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's an interesting chap. We could make an all show about him, you know. <laughs> I, could, I probably couldn't say some of the stuff that he'd come out with because it is a family show. Um, but it was, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes into my experience with him and we'd, we'd just turned a left, I think we were over Halifax area 
and uh, Brian put the uh, 152 into a nosedive and then faked a heart attack. Oh. So to get over fear of flying, as you could imagine, didn't it quickly. Um, so from there, I just, uh, it was just the bug uh, kept going. And flight, which is at least about for now, um, and we moved on to a Piper PA-28. And then from then, it was just our building. So <clears throat> you work your way through the people. Yeah, MEIRs, doing CPL, and then I say you basically take all your ATPL examinations. Um, and then from then, I was scrolling through um, an airline in the Middle East. Uh, I was looking for flights to Australia, um, and I, I just came across an advanced entry system. They also did a cadet ab initio course at the same time. Um, and we so the guys who were advanced entry um, obviously joined the ab initio chaps um, as they were basically doing their type rating. Um, originally, we were supposed to go on to the A320s to start with, um, but long and short of it was that they didn't have any places for us on the 320s. Um, so we were put on the A330s, hence why I don't like them. Um, and from then, two years, so once you've done your 1,500 hours and you received your full ATPL, once it had been unfrozen, then we were entitled to enter the mixed fleet flying or the CCQ qualification, cross-crew qualification, uh, which enabled us to fly the 330 and 340, uh, which was good. From then on, um, I moved on to the 787 with said Middle Eastern company. I was on the entry into service crew with them, which was... Um, <laughs> Good fun. Really enjoyed that. We um, got to do some of the base training out of Alan, which is um, an airfield in the middle of the UAE, um, which was good. So we did base training. We, I'm not sure I can say that out loud on TV, uh, and on, <laughs> on, a, on a podcast, what we did. But Nick will have an idea what we did. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can all work it out from there. Yeah, okay, we can all work it out from there, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I joined my current company was their advertising for TFO position, which is a training first office position. Um, I did apply for British Airways and they turned me down well, with an accent like this. Point. With an accent like this, obviously I'm not posh enough. No, I'm not called Nigel. I'm not called Nigel. I don't wear boat shoes or, and deck shorts or whatever they're called. <laughs> deck shorts maybe, but you know. And um, that's, that is the, and then I said, well, I'll move on to the um, 787 with Acme Red, who uh, Fabulous company to work for. They are um, extremely good. And it's been the last six months have been even better because we've uh, had downtime aircraft, so I've had plenty of time off as well. So, you know, <laughs> one, one cannot complain. So I, I, I know I know we have this running joke between various uh, uh, podcast hosts, shall we say, really? uh, where where it's the, the, the Boeing and the Airbus-like argument, for want of a better word. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to ask the, 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 the fatal question here, which I, I dare say I'm going to regret. But, I mean, you know, you, you're well known for being an Airbus, uh, for being a Boeing man. What is it for you that, that gives it the, gives, you know, that the advantage, say, over, over an Airbus? Why is your passion and allegiances with them, say, over Airbus? It's a it's a better all-round um, flying experience, pilot-wise. Now, with the current company, we have a, a policy where it's a case if you see it and you fly it. So that means you, you, if you don't fancy any automation, you can turn it all off. Whereas in the previous company, 
uh, a lot of it was auto throttle on. We weren't allowed to turn it off and, and so on and so forth. Mm. Until we've until recently, have I sort of enjoyed more of the um, seven eight seven side of it because it kind of gives you a, a truer feel of. Don't get me wrong, a, a, a three forty when flown correctly is um, is a wonderful piece of machinery. Um, but the way that technology goes now, you know, you put the hood. Um, it is a lot easier to um, be a bit more adventurous, let's say, with it. Yeah. You're kind of not having to um, adjust yourself as much as compared to the old um, A340s and A330s as such. So, it's, yeah, it is that. <clears throat> we'll tell a little secret. Uh, I do like an A340. <gasps> <laughs> Everyone cough really loudly. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> So, so actually, we've got we've got a question from Tony S in the chat room uh, for you, Mike. He said, "Would you recommend working for a Middle Eastern carrier?" Um, yes and no. Make sure it's the right Middle Eastern carrier, and there's only one, in my opinion. Okay, okay. yeah, no, fair right, I think yeah. I, can, I, can, I can probably guess yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. And yeah. it's not the one you're thinking of either. Really? Oh. Ooh, okay. Mm. Oh, right. oh, well, that, well, that's mm. good. We, we won't delve into that any further. Uh, what, what's the um, obviously that you know? So you've given us the background as to, as to how you've ended up where you are, essentially. So, I mean, what's what's the dream for you? Is it is is there you know somewhere else you would like to sort of go before your flying career ends? Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy where I am. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't knock them for for anything. They've been exceptionally good mm. to me. Um, you know, obviously, working your way through to get your command is is always one yeah. is one person's kind of end goal of it all. I don't fancy doing anything else in life. Quite yeah. happy where I am. I won't mind uh, taking one of Nick's eighty five percent or Mister seventy five percent. He is these days. <laughs> I'll take his I'll take his contract off him on his left seat right. when he retires. And we'll five hundred and seventy five days. I'll be there. <laughs> he's being very well behaved at the moment. Yeah, I think Nick, he's gone for being a drink. Very quiet, yeah, absolutely, Nick. he's gone for a drink. I think. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Mike's moment, mate. Let him have it. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, love it. <laughs> okay, love it. Yeah. So it's uh, <laughs> so I mean obviously we 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 sort of asked this question. Uh, uh, as as we do with with all of the the things, while we're waiting for the old chat room to uh, uh, see if they've got any other questions that they'd like to ask you, um, is there? Uh, I mean, presumably you, you've you've only really been, it's obviously commercial. Is there anything in the military world that that uh, you would love to have sort of have a, had a go of? Must be joking. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Crashed all my not a chance. No, I mean I, I will listen to Nick earlier on telling about his RF. And he mm. said, you know, I, I can't remember the exact phrase that he said, but he says, uh, oh, well, if we have to go to war and we die, well, so be it. Well, you know, I fancy me, you know, I fancy me chances of staying mm. alive until I'm slightly older. <laughs> well, to be fair, in most conflicts that I was looking at, uh, the entire UK would have been obliterated. At least I should have found a fighting chance of getting <laughs> me own back on somebody. Well, there is that. <laughs> yeah, I've got a question, actually, Mike. Uh, now, I, I, I'm quite sure why you're so cagey about naming past airlines it's not like they're going to reprimand you anymore is it uh no okay no, so go not. on then which is because i'm just curious <laughs> I, I, I people ask me you know yeah. what are good airlines to to join i'm i'm i'd love to hear your genuine opinion of uh, which airline it was out there you would have uh you would i worked for people to I, join. Worked, I worked for etihad 
Um, wow. And they they had a they had a, a more sensible approach to uh, rostering, let's say. Um, okay. Okay. Even even though I mean, as as you will know, Nick, the bunker was a month whereas they are for us. So obviously, you, you could end up doing some, you know, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty hours a month. Emirates will always push the boundaries, and so will Go Air just over the road. Um, I, I really wouldn't. I mean, if people are asking for you know honest opinions, I know they're not hiring. I know they're going through a lot of trouble. There a lot of downsizing aircraft at the minute. But if you are looking, like I said, from a Ryanair, EasyJet, etc., point of view, to move to a Middle Eastern carrier, I would ten times out of ten say you need to be going to Etihad. They're the ones that are going to give you a sensible approach to life. Mm. Um, and you, you are essentially going there to work as, uh, you know, you know, you're going there essentially to work, but you also want a lifestyle as well. That's, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. Your, yeah. Which sadly, Emirates and Qatar Airways, <clears throat> they can't, um, they can't offer you, I'm afraid. No. I know people will say, well, Emirates are fantastic. Mm. Emirates will work you to the bare bones. Mm. And if you want to live in Doha, be my guest. You might as well live in a bin for mm. what it matters. Yeah, indeed. How about, no one ever talks about Kuwait Airways. What are they like? Uh, good question. I don't know. I know they've just had a couple of um, new aircraft. We saw one the other day. Um, and we noticed it looked a bit shiny. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I don't think they I don't think they're um, higher expats anymore. No, they're not a bit. Oh, okay, all right. I, was, I, was just I think oh, I, could, I could I could be wrong. I think it's the same with Gulf Air as well. They've um, downsized the way that they um, employ people now. Okay, yeah. right. I, mean, I don't have a lot of experience from that part of the world. That's all, so I'm just interested. Thanks. Uh, a couple of comments from the chat room here. Uh, uh, Barbara Parrish has actually said, "My goodness, Matt, the man is already living the dream. He flies a seven eight seven for goodness sake." So that's mm. me well and truly told off. Uh, it oh was... dear, Barbara, that's <laughs> not a very high aiming point. <laughs> I mean, five hundred seventy-five days. Living the dream. Oh dear. Uh, Richard King said he spoke with a chap this week uh, in relation to what we were talking about a moment ago. Uh, Richard King was saying that he spoke to a chap this week who was, flowing, who was flying for a Middle Eastern airline and he wasn't complimentary at all. So, you know, it's uh, it's thing. Uh, Jenny Parkinson said, interesting, Etihad apparently tried to revive Alitalia. Mm, they did, yeah. That's yeah, that's true. an interesting one, isn't it? It's, yeah, they did, uh, yeah, they it, lost a fortune, haven't they? Yeah. It, it's flatlined. There, there eventually, you can put mm. all the... Uh, the um, uh, well, defibs on your line, mm. but you can't bring it back when it's dying. No, no, this is I mean, Alitalia is really past it. It's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. It is a shame. So, we are going to ask uh, before we wrap up the show, we're just going to ask one more question, Mike and uh, Nev. Uh, what's that question that we ask uh, everyone, the pilots we have on the show? It is the main question, and that is. If you could choose to fly any aircraft, either retired or current, what would it be? Oh, I don't know. Good question. Um, I've got two. Does that count? Uh, I'm allowed to have two. We, we might allow that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We're, we're feeling generous. <laughs> My um, old granddad that sadly passed away in 2001, um, he flew the L1011 for Cathay for a number of years. <clears throat> oh, um, dear. So I think moving, moving back and having a... a, a 
a, a bit of a play on that would be fantastic. But oh, I think dear. every um, boy's I, dream. I'm really, I'm really sorry, Mike, but the grin that is now on my colleague's face here in the studio is just frankly nauseating as a result of that comment. But anyway, there we do carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I think obviously every little boy's dream is to fly Concorde, isn't it? Oh, of course yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, very true. Yeah. This is the thing. I mean, I, I have no, I have no uh, flying aspirations in any way, shape, or form, and I literally only get in an aeroplane because I have to. I don't enjoy it. I don't get any pleasure out of it. But even I would love to sit in the cockpit. Not necessarily flying it. Obviously, I know my limitations. But uh, even I would love to sit in the cockpit of, of of a of a Concorde and, you know, just sort of to be at the front end there while it's in the air. I know it was very pokey and and all that kind of thing. But uh, I still, uh, you know, and, and we say this every time the Concorde is mentioned. I still don't understand why you. You know, you know, Mac travel still doesn't exist. Do you know, yeah, what I mean? it's, it's coming it. slowly. Yeah, yeah. You just cost. Thought- I mean, I was lucky that we went. I mean, my granddad took me on Concorde. We went to a, for a return uh, trip to JFK. <laughs> so I had. I was lucky that um, I've been in it. But I think, I mean, I wasn't even very young at the time. But I never really appreciated. It. I wish I could do it again now oh, and yeah. appreciate more. You know, yeah. knowing what's knowing the the limitations of it. But yeah, it's right. Yeah, we we have we're in what now? When was when was the Concorde retired? Two thousand and three. We're now yes. what fifteen years, and we're still only poking around at Mac eight five, aren't we? It's um, mm. going to take a while before we catch up, I think. So that is where we're going to wrap up uh, episode two hundred and. Yeah, we need to hurry up because like, we're like two hours and twenty two minutes already. <laughs> we're going to say a massive thanks God, to everyone. Like APG. Yeah, I know. I know. This is what they're saying in the chat room here. It's just like you know, we're we're in we're on we're on uncharted waters, ladies and gentlemen. This we're, is <laughs> we're going to say a massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room tonight. Mm. Armando, Karen is in the chat room as well. Greetings yes. to you. He's Thank you very much, Armando. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but we are going to say I'll say thanks to everyone who has. <laughs> joined us and taken time out of their Friday evening or morning or afternoon wherever you are in the world, in the world yeah. to uh, to join us on the show um, don't forget you can uh, where well, where can they find us Matt on the world wide oh, web oh I have no idea uh, right no so it's www.plaintalkinguk.com as uh, was commented on earlier in the show you can also buy fantastic t-shirts through the Neil's website Neil's brought one Neil has just bought, Neil a t- has just bought uh, one yeah absolutely a t-shirt from, from there so it's www.plaintalkinguk.com uh, you'll find us on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk UK. Our, yeah. our handle on Twitter is at Plain Talking UK. And if you'd like to send us an email, please do so. If you'd like to take part in a, in fact, actually, if you get on with it, what you could you could feature in next week's <gasps> Nev's passenger experience. Ooh. So please make sure that you get any feedback into podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Yeah. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And Neil Lanwarn, you are in the chat room and you have brought yourself a T-shirt. And if you could bung us an email. That would be good right. for a chat. Yes, okay. Yes. Oh, all right. Okay. Two things. So, uh, Splendid. But yes, so we're going to say a massive thanks uh, to our two guest hosts this evening. Yeah. So thanks, Captain Nick, for joining us. I know you... Uh, oh, pleasure to be back on the show, guys. Thanks very much indeed. For I know you've, you've been had a few hours sleep. To, uh, try and abuse Michael. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've all been very well behaved, actually. You've all very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've all behaved very well. I'm very proud of you both, actually. <laughs> yes, thank, thanks for coming on, uh, Nick. It's always good no, to have you on the show. don't realise how much Oh, that was convenient. Yeah, that was a convenient <laughs> dropout, wasn't it? <laughs> oh dear! And before we and before we, oh here it is before we lose Mike to uh, to that uh, indeed we uh, yeah we're going to say a big thanks to First Officer Mike for yeah. joining us on this week's show. So thanks, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Been uh, very enjoyable. 
A pleasure, and we'll have you on again soon if that's all right with you. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah long as long as I can get Al on next time, we can abuse his little airbus next time. Oh, dear. to rest there, I think as well. And yeah, right. we you, also... you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <I know. laughs> okay. And we're also, as always, we're going to thank, uh, especially thanks to Nev as well, as always, for joining us on the show this week, show, Nev. Yeah. And thank you. Yes, yes. pleasure. And uh, Matt and I have got a bit of a filming assignment uh, yeah. next week, <gasps> which is. Ooh. Very top secret. We can't tell you about it. Uh, but, but what uh, it does we, mean, we, ladies, we are nervously excited. Yes, we? but what it does mean is that uh, we're not 100 percent sure whether we're going to be doing uh, a live show on Friday mm. because we will be travelling back on Friday. So we'll be on my own. It <laughs> yeah, you'll just do the show on your own, Carlos. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or or we could do it Saturday. Uh, All right. Okay. All right. Heal services or something. Yeah, indeed. Like absolutely. We'll pull over in a, in, in a service station. Excellent. And, and, I, and I'll pop into the banana and. We can, uh, yeah, we, yeah. we can no, do it. Exotic, you guys just know how to live, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. We are, uh, we are essentially, as what I referred to earlier, as living the dream. Mm. So, living the dream. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, so also, if you want to catch the live show, guys, then please make sure that you follow our Facebook and Twitter feeds yeah. uh, uh, for when we are going to be broadcasting next. It's either going to be Friday or Saturday, depending on mm. how things go. And so, the other side of that wall there, just over to my right there yes. tomorrow morning there'll be various drilling and yes. soaring noises going on They're while gonna, the uh, Jonathan Warner says being that's built. fine he's working on Friday night oh, okay. so so Saturday is good with him that's cool as long as Mr Warner is happy that's the main thing <laughs> so that's it then guys yep. that's where we're going to bring the show to a close massive thanks again to everyone who's joined us part of me wants to keep going there for another four minutes because we're nearly, we're nearly yeah. at the two and a half <laughs> and also not forgetting as well everyone who downloads the show yep. in an audio version audio Indeed, form yeah, through absolutely. iTunes and all the various podcast platforms thanks to you guys as well mm. for listening to us don't forget send us your feedback we really 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 mm -hmm. do want to get some feedback from some of you listeners um, about uh, what what you know? What matters to you in the, yeah, world, as of far as the world of aviation? Is concerned, yeah, send yeah. your uh, send your emails uh, in. Uh, to Jonathan Warner us. is not allowed to uh, because we all know what he's obsessed by, oh, okay, and yeah. that is obviously those grey things. So that's fine. But yes, please send them to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Podcast at plaintalkinguk And one final plug, please, to appear on Nev's Passenger Experience. <laughs> yes. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Oh, and before we go, I mean, where can people find uh, you, Nick, on this other what, amazing show that's broadcast somewhere? in the world oh i try and hide my light under a bushel but right. uh, you, you can find me on facebook yeah. and i'm just there as me yeah, right. and uh i the the show though you're really interested in uh, we've got a website uh, airlinepilotguide.com on facebook uh, facebook normal uh, intro and airline pilot guy and you can tweet to us uh, at apg crew indeed mm. that is the way forward so uh, uh, i've got uh, hillel in the cupboard here if i can just wake him up do you want me to oh god <laughs> <laughs> hillel <laughs> oh, he's just jumped out the bloody window well, like, honestly you just can't get the staff it's terrible that's all mhi one e ones and, and things <laughs> <laughs> indeed so that is where we bring the show to a close guys thank you very much for watching and listening as always uh there would be no point if you weren't doing that otherwise uh, we'd just be talking to ourselves frankly uh many of people sat around this table that wouldn't be a problem obviously but uh, it's nice to know that we do have an amazing audience and you guys are absolutely amazing so that is where we bring the show to a close from all of us here have a great weekend everyone everybody say goodbye goodbye Bye, everyone Bye. Bye. Bye.